Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Cisek delivers. And the pitch swung on. Ground ball up the middle. It's a base hit. Into center field. Into score is Schwarber. Coming around third. Hoskins, he stumbled, and he's going to be out by 10 feet. And they may get a play about obstruction in the baseline as Hoskins and Garcia were tripped up between second and third. Third base umpire John Bacon calling it. Well, and they did. Here's your spoiler alert. They got it. They got the call. They got the win. Good morning, everybody. It is a Saturday morning in the Delaware Valley. Along with my friend Jody McDonald, I am Glenn Mack now. And Jody... When things go well, everything works out. It, it is This is so, uh, to steal an old Seinfeld reference, this is so opposite, George, of what was just three weeks ago. Every button Joe Girardi was pushing was wrong. Jody Mack for Rob Thompson. It just, it all works out. Spent a lot of quality time in my basement yesterday watching Phillies baseball starting at 1 o'clock in the afternoon going well past 10 o'clock at night. And yet, at the end of the day, it was all worth it, even though at times they made base-running blunders and Didi Gregorius extended the game last night. There are still things that the Phillies are doing that are reminiscent of the first several months of the season under Joe Girardi. But they're also doing things and or finding ways to win games, get things done, have calls go their way like the one that you played at the top between you and I. I didn't know it was going to go that way. Mm-hmm. I was screaming at my TV, Dusty, why the hell you send him? He's out by 45 feet. How can you send him on that play? Well, of course, we found out immediately thereafter. Dusty Watson saw the official's call. The ump on the field raised his hands, which meant it was going to be runner interference. So you want to send him because then you are going to be gifted the run. Yeah, they're doing a lot of things right these days, G-Mac. It's amazing. Over over a, over a 10-hour day, I, I assume between the two games, you could have quick dinner or whatever, walked up to your yes, kitchen. Yes, thank you. But the Phillies sweep the doubleheader. They use 22 players to do it. Um, they are now 34 and 31. That is 14 of the last 16. First time they've been that hot in the last 12 years. Uh, and Jody, one of the things that's really encouraging is they're doing it with help from guys like Matt Veerling, who hits two home runs, and Garrett Stubbs, who's the hero the other night, and Bryson Stott. And I mean, you know, that's what you need from a team that you hope is going to be there in October. Yeah, 35 and 31, the first time this year they've been above four uh, four games, over 500 all year. And uh, you and I did a show together a couple of weeks ago, and I said here on the air, I said during the week, if they can get to 500 before July 1st, I would be good with it. 
Well, we're well below before below before July first, and we're well above five hundred. If you consider four games above, well above. Well, since you haven't been there all year long, I would consider it well <laughs> above. Yeah, not only has it come together, it's come together much more quickly than I could have ever believed would happen. And as you said, and it's a weird dynamic when when things are going right, even when you screw up, it works. And you mentioned a couple of things that Gregorius throw and. Uh, running through signals and so on. And, and the interesting thing is I'm screaming at the manager yesterday in the first game, right? Rob Thompson blows through his his three late-inning relievers in the first game and has to come back to the questionable bullpen in the second. Um, but I, I, at the same time, he got he uh, yeah he got 10 outs from Brogdon, Dominguez, Sir Anthony, and Brad Hand in the first game. So they, they didn't pitch in the second. But you know what? That's what he needs to do. He needs to win what's in front of him. If you yep. remember, there was there. Joe Girardi would not use relievers in games to save him for other games, and we used to scream. So, if Thompson says, "I got to win this first game, and I need Sir Anthony, and I need Hand, and I need," then you know what? He's doing the right thing. Uh, Mac, I used to feel this way forever. I I didn't understand it, but with many years of following baseball and experience, I guess I now understand. I still don't 100% understand it, but the old standing was always on a doubleheader day. You start your best starting pitcher in the first game, and then you take your chance in the second game, even if you don't have the advantage on the matter. I always thought the opposite. I thought, no, 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 hold your better starting pitcher for the second game. Go ahead and take your shot in the first game, and then if you get the first one, you've got that much better a chance to get a sweep. Major League managers never did it that way, ever. 29 out of 30 times, you look at the two starting pitchers, which is the better one He's going to start the first game. I think even when they would go with the better starting pitcher, it would be because the guy, they thought the extra three hours wait would be more rest for him, and that's why they would hold him to the second game more so than, well, we're going to take our shot at the first one. You're right. Rob Thompson is subscribing to the theory of, I got to get wins now. And, oh, by the way, the standings kind of say that because the Mets and Braves refuse to lose. This is a very tough division. Uh, the Phillies play an unbelievably great ball, and they're not making up that much ground in the division. They are in the wild card race, but not in the division. Yeah, he's playing for the moment, and the moment is working for him. All right, a couple specific issues I want to go over with you. By the way, 215-592-9494 if you want to check in. We've got a very busy three hours, which we'll tell you about coming up. Once again, umpire's an issue. A really weird uh, situation in the second game as Bryce Harper comes up to pinch hit late, <laughs> and they want to walk him. Finnegan, just, he didn't want to throw him anything, so he throws three balls, and here comes ball four, and it's clearly a ball. And the umpire, whose name I had here, Clinton Vondrack, <laughs> uh, decides that, nah, that wasn't a ball, that was a strike. <laughs> Harper steps out of the box, gives him a dirty look, comebacks in, comes back in. I still think Finnegan's trying to walk him, that the the fifth pitch was not exactly down the pipe. Harper swings uh, and uh, and has a two-run RBI, and boom, excuse me, two-run double, and uh, and that really helps you win the game. But, Jody, the, the, the I don't want to get too sidetracked on this today, but I just see it more and more. The quality of umpiring in baseball seems so bad. Is it is it that the quality's worse or that we just notice it more because of replay and because of the box they put on TV and because of everything else? Yeah, uh, the latter, not the former. I actually don't think the umpiring has been that bad this year. Um, blatant missed calls stand out like a sore thumb, but I think, and you get your uh, altogether too often, 
bad home plate strike and ball call umpire. That I will agree with you, that that on a night-in, night-out basis. And I will tie a bunch of that into the technology that everybody's got the box. Mm-hmm. they got the ability to slow it down and show you exactly where. Now, this is an interpretation. It isn't 100% perfect, but they show you what small percentage of the ball actually comes inside the strike zone. So you scream and yell, oh, it's a strike. Of course it's a strike because my TV tells me it's a strike. A uh, home plate ball and strike umpiring hasn't been great, but on the base pass, I think it's been perfectly fine. And anytime they get it wrong, it's because we can slow it down to the umpteenth degree, and they're trying to make the call in live uh, full speed time. Uh, I'm not going to get on the umpires' cases for that stuff, which is a problem in all sports. But it is a problem though because now, and I'll, I'll take it to football. Right, we see on replay what the refs on the field can't. Right, we know if the guy's toe touched the out-of-bounds marker by two centimeters because we, we can see it and slow it down and see it in different angles, which is why, and maybe you and I will discuss this another day sometime when we have less going on, they have to change the way games are umped and refed in all sports because the cameras are better than the refs. Agreed. Uh, okay. it, is, it is what it is. Technology is caught up and made umpiring, refereeing, whatever uh, title we're giving those who are judging our games, uh, that much more difficult task to do because they can just blatantly be shown that in real time they miss something by a centimeter and we have the ability to correct those calls now. All right, and the bigger picture. Uh, this seems like a great time to once again, as we seem to do every week, praise Bryce Harper for how great he is. Uh, and he's having an amazing season, and this is coming off the MVP last season. And he is connected with the city in a, in a great way, uh, with the fans, with his teammates, with everything. I don't know that there's ever been a better free agent signing in town. Um, maybe Pete Rose, but, I mean, you're going back 45 years, so that's ancient history. Uh, Runyon and Troy Vincent by Andy. Dr. J, well, Dr. J, I think, was technically a trade. And, again, that goes back. That goes back a thousand decades. Um, the Harper tra- the Harper sign, excuse me, drew some criticism his first year here and maybe his second, including from a lot of people on this station. Boy, has it worked out just great for this franchise. And I haven't changed my opinion since the day he signed the contract. It was a great deal for now. And it is a 13-year contract. You signed a 13-year contract. I'm pretty good at projecting and predicting, Mac. I'm not going 13 years down the road. Well, now, but it's, the, only, now it's only nine, I guess, whatever. The, yeah, yeah I exactly. You. I hear you. But when they signed it, it was 13. How uh, do you well, know what the hell guy's going to be able to do okay. 13 years from now? Fair and that, enough. to me, was the only legitimate second guess. Yeah. That, all right, you, you sign a long-term contract. You know ahead of time. All right, part of it, it might not be worth it. Part of it, we're going to have to come up with a solution and or a way to get around it and or a way to deal with it. Um, but those who thought that it was a mistake from the beginning, that he's not as good as the money that – are you kidding me? He was, he is, he continues to be, and if not anything, he has risen in the ranks of the best players in baseball. Those who thought that in the short term it was going to be a bad deal just don't like anything. And by the way, Jody, at the rate of inflation right now, in another nine years, $30 million is going to be chump change. Um, here's the flip side of that, and you, you, you gave me a great transition. JT Real Muto gets the, gets the RBI yesterday on that potential double play that he, that he hustles and beats out, and that, that was good. But, um, boy, he's looking cooked this season. I am really worried about that. I like him as a player. I like that signing as well. I thought that, you know, he's a terrific defensive catcher. He's got a catcher with power. He's a leader. He's just not looking good these days. 
And again, uh, I go back to what I said when they signed the contract. I was certainly more nervous about the Rio Muto contract than I was the Harper contract. And his was uh, only five years as compared to 13 years. Well, how can that be the case? Because he's a catcher. And history shows us that catchers into their 30s don't retain their top-level play the way that outfielder, right fielders, DHs. Now we didn't know that it was going to be DH when Harper signed, but it is part of the evaluation going forward. Yeah, the, we, we, we knew there was a possibility that JT could start to erode, that his game could start to come apart a little bit. Now, it's coming apart quicker than I thought. I I was more worried about year four and five of that deal, and we're only two years into the deal, and we're already seeing him start to come backwards. It is still less than half a season. I'm not guaranteeing you, uh uh-oh, he's done, and we've got three years of a bad contract behind the plate that they're going to have to figure out. But right now, it's not looking good. Even uh, and and just to just to put a wrap on this, then we're going to transition into the Flyers hiring of John Tortorella yesterday. Even when they're not, I don't know, fun's the word. They're fun because you have optimism. You look at that bullpen game two when it's Kniebel and Familia and Andrew Bellotti with you know having to get these big outs in the eighth and ninth, and then Jose Alvarado, who was just so painful to watch, getting within one out of the win when Gregorius commits the error, but they come back and they win it in 10 and you celebrate. And it's, it's just all, it's so great these days. They have taken the first three from Washington, two to play Aaron Nola on the mound today at four, I think it's four thirty-five start Eflin tomorrow. So, Hey, continued fun and optimism. All right. I want uh, to play if we can, Kyle Quinn, a cut from yesterday, Flyers, new coach. Uh, what did he have to say? Let's, let's first talk, talk about the emblem. Uh, as I told Chuck, I look at that emblem and, uh, you know, guys back in 04, when we were fortunate enough, I was coaching Tampa and we went through Philly to win a Stanley cup, beating Philly in the conference finals. I remember telling my wife and I told uh, Chuck this story, man, that is a, that is a place I would love an opportunity to be in coach. Uh, the, the passion of the people, the building, uh, everything about the city, uh, it really, uh, it was really neat for me. It may sound a little silly, but even when I was coaching other teams, I've always thought about that city. I've always thought about that team, about hoping to have an opportunity along the way. All right, Jody Mack, John Tortorella doing the obligatory kissing up to the, to the fan base and the passion. Got the word passion in there. You got to do that. Uh, but it is big news. The Flyers hired Tortorella, 63 years old. He's He's got smarts. He has had success. As as you know, he won the Cup. Uh, he certainly got personality, which seems important for a team that has lost relevance with the, with the fan base here. And he has a history where he has, in the past, alienated uh, media, certainly, some fans, some players. Maybe that's not a bad thing here. Uh, again, Flyers are a franchise struggling for attention. Tortorella will certainly attract that. Jody, what do you think? Talking about Tortorella and his personality, you, you put them in a specific order. You said uh, media, fans, players. I only care about one of those three, Glenn, to be truthful with you, and that's players. Mm-hmm. Uh, the media is going to be the media, and uh, I've done a 180 on Doc Rivers. I thought he was going to be great here uh, just talking about relationship with the media. Uh, he's a former media member. He's a smart guy. He's a well-spoken guy. 
and he has mishandled his uh, relationship with the media so badly the last two years. Now, uh, I'm just floored by it. I, I thought he was going to be great at it rather than being stone-cold awful at it. There's a whole bunch of area in between there, Glenn, and he landed on the, the furthest side of awful that you could with yeah. the way he's handled himself. Don't care. Yeah, I'll complain. I'll come on WIP and complain about it, but if he's doing the job coaching, his, uh, his relationship with the media doesn't matter. His relationship with the fans, yes, they paid the bills. Yes, they come to the games. The fan's really not going to show up because I can't stand that coach. He, he, he talks down to me. No, if the team is winning, they're going to show up so you can work through that. No, it's all about the players and how he works, interacts, gets the most out of, motivates, and or annoys players. And he has had both good and bad in his stops across the National Hockey League. Um, a guy who's doing pretty well these days. I'm going to make a comparison here that I don't know if it's worthy or not. Buck Walter is having an unbelievable run with the Mets this year. They got the best record in baseball. At some point, Buck Walter runs afoul of his team. Always does. Every stop he's ever been. Has had success, come in and won, elevated the team, made them better. And at some point, he just starts to wear on everybody around him. That's John Tortorella. So mm -hmm. if you're looking for a quick turnaround, if you're looking for the Flyers to be better next year because they've been pretty damn bad the last two years, you should get that out of John Tortorella. Will he be around long enough to see them become a Stanley Cup contender? That I don't know. But yeah. he will make them better right away. Well, and that's a great point because it's 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 what he can do, but beyond him, it's up to Chuck Fletcher, the GM, to make it happen. And that's that's really the challenge. You got to get rid of the stiffs. You got to get guys who can play around Carter Hart. You got to you got to get immediate help with that number five draft pick. Bring in free agents who can actually play for a change. I'm not sure how much faith I have in Fletcher. I I honestly don't know that Fletch how Fletcher feels about Tortorella. Since our friend Anthony Sanfilippo reported the Flyers' ownership hired a consultancy firm to choose the head coach, kind of going around Fletcher, and their first choice was Trotz. But, 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 if Tortorella has the opportunity to have a say in who plays for him, if his leaders are good, if he can, if he can get rid of guys who are soft. Listen, Jody, this is this was a soft, sensitive team. James Van Riemsdyk is not a tough player. Um, Tortorella has to ride them hard. He's got to get Provorov to play tougher and smarter and Kevin Hayes and and hope that Carter Hart doesn't go into the shell that he went into two years ago. Um, this is a team that's missed the playoffs three of the last four years. This is a team that won a, a, a Stanley Cup in 47 years. Um, it's going to be a rebuild, and I hope that he has enough talent to work because they don't, they don't have talent. They're in bad cap shape. Unless he's a miracle worker, I don't know that he can do what he what he does here. I always love watching his teams play. Um, eventually, I think you just kind of alluded to it, people don't go to the games to watch the coach. They go to the games to watch the team, and I hope the team is worth watching. Let me ask you a question on that. Um, you called it rebuild. I think they referenced it in yesterday's media section. I think Torello used three or four different words to describe the same exact thing, just slightly different. Call it what you want. Uh, Jeff Laurie refused to use that word yeah, two sure. years ago. Transitional period. Different people have different yeah. uh, definitions yeah, right. of words. We all know what it means. It's a reshuffle. No? Yes, yeah, taking right. a step backwards to take two forwards down yeah, the road. Right. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be committed to Tortorella? And will Tortorella be okay with this that, hey, it's going to take time? 
because right now they don't have a heck of a lot of cap uh, flexibility. So it no. isn't like even if Chuck Fletcher could identify the top flight players who could fit, they might not be able to get him here. It is going to take time. Will Tortorella be the guy to take that entire time through the process? Uh, he's got a four-year, was it four-year, $16 million contract? Is that what he got, right? Four at four? Uh, or else four at 18, whatever. Chump change at the end. Uh, I would put it at slightly under 50-50 that he completes all four years. Yeah, see, don't you want at least 50-50? Yeah, well, I mean, not, I mean, like, because I don't want to go 50-50. So I'll right. say it's 45-55 that he does the four. What about you? <sighs> yeah, I'm in the same area that you are. I don't want to be negative Nelly, but uh, I would be on the lower side 50-50 too. All right, we got a lot going on today. We're going to work in all four of the uh, local uh, professional, big-time professional sports franchises. There is some news with the Sixers. Actually, the NBA season finished. I want Jody's opinion on a few things involving that. Always there is Eagle news, and we will get them into the conversation. By the way, uh, my friend Ray Dinger is going, to, uh, he's going to be speaking and signing books today at the Surfside Park in Avalon, New Jersey. Six o'clock tonight at the library event, uh, not a bookstore, so... If you're down at the shore, get yourself to Surfside Park, enjoy the sun, and uh, see Ray Dinger uh, talk about his book and sell some books. All right, coming up at noon, we are going to talk to our pal Ben Davis about the Phillies. But coming up next, Jody, noted hockey authority, Keith Jones, is going to join us. Now, I have, I have a question before we talk to Keith. Which Keith Jones? Uh, no, are we allowed to pimp him on the fact that Basically, every other media member from Philadelphia that covers hockey made it into the Hall of Fame this week, except for <laughs> Keith Jones. He's not even the best player from his hometown. Uh, okay. You know so who that is? Who's Keith is from Brantford, Ontario. You know who else is from there? Who's from Brantford? Some guy named Gretzky. Oh, shoot, yeah. <laughs> So, but you want to know something? He's not he's even actually, the man in his neighborhood. He's actually closer to Gretzky in uh, doing television analysis oh, better, work yeah. oh, than better. he is as a player. Yes, uh, both better. of them are big time, big position guys. And I'll take Jonesy over Gretzky every day of the week, no doubt. So feel free to ask him about the Hall of Fame. Yeah, congratulations to Al Morgani, by the way. Who, um, geez, I've known Al since college, and I knew Al covering hockey in college, and Al is. is is deserved of that great honor. And Billy Clement, it really was a good week for those guys. So. Yes, it was. Yeah, there you go. Are you in your? Uh, are you in any Hall of Fames? High school Hall High of school, Fame? High school, yeah. Set are your you? heart. Yeah. There you go. Good for you. I am not in my high school Hall of Fame. No. I am, however, in the Philadelphia Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. Nice. They ran, they ran out of people, Jody, and there I was. <laughs> <laughs> right after Michael Barkan and Ruben Amaro. There I'm you in. go. Good company. All right, 215-592-9494. We'll catch up with Jonesy next. We'll take your calls. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, Saturday morning on 94 WIP. You guys aren't going to get me. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Into that corner saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I am going to coach that team hard right away. We are, we are going to, it's going to be a, a very difficult camp, uh, a, a high volume of skating, they will be told about this uh, during the summer here as far as how we're going to approach this. I guess that's what I'm saying to you. We're attacking it. We're attacking it. It's not going to be, I guess everybody, I guess it's a rebuild, a retool, whatever language that's used. I am approaching each and every day to try to make each individual player play better as a player and a person, and then as a team trying to get better in each and every day. That, that will take care of the time frame. John Chortorell saying all the right things yesterday as he was announced as the Flyers, I believe it's the 23rd coach in franchise history. We now talk to our pal Keith Jones. Keith, as you may know, is uh, lead commentator for Flyers games on NBC Sports Philadelphia. He is an inside-the-glass reporter on TNT, and he carries the burden of making Angelo Cataldi sound smart several days a week. Jonesy, thanks, thanks for uh, coming on with us today. Happy thing going, buddy. It's going all right. Hopefully, we don't have a bad connection here. Let's uh, let's give this a, a try. Um, you've been around. You've seen Tortorella all these years. What's what's his biggest strength as a coach? What does he bring this franchise that it needs? He is a voice for the franchise, and on a team that does not have a lot of players that do a great job in communicating the message, Tortorella is going to communicate that message, and he's going to back it up with his ability to get players to play to their best of their abilities. And he's going to push them. He's going to drive them. And at times want to kill them, and at times they're going to want to give them a big hug. But winning makes everything better, and he's going to make this team up. All right, Jonesy, let me ask you a short-term question before we get to long-term. The current roster, and there will be changes during this offseason. We know that, but not a great deal of them. Uh, the Flyers are what they are as of right now. 
does his style fit the current room that they have for the Flyers? It does. I mean, he's a very intelligent coach, Jody. He's a guy that understands individual players. He's done a great job throughout his career in bringing individuals together for the betterment of the team. And I think he's got a good feel for uh, what a certain player brings to the table, and he knows how to get that out of him. Uh, he's not going to be a, a coach that the players wonder how he's feeling about the way that they're playing. <laughs> he, he's going to be honest. He's going to be up front. And he's going to ask them to defend uh, better than they ever have in their lives. And this Flyers team last year was blowing out on multiple occasions. And that's something that just can't happen. Uh, this team's going to be a lot different with John Tortorella. He's, he is a great coach for this team at this time. And for the city, for that for that matter. All right, Jonesy. As we're talking, if you're able to walk into another room, that's good because we are getting a lot of a lot of feedback. So I'm going to ask you a two part question here, kind of piggybacking off what Jody just asked you. Who on this roster is going to like playing for for Tortorella? Who's going to thrive? Who's going to get better? And I'll put it this way: Who is going to find it a challenge to play for this coach? Respond the right way. Uh, he's the one guy that stands out to me. Say it again, jo- Jonesy. We lost the very beginning of what you said. So say the beginning. Who is gonna Who's gonna respond the right way? Travis Connect is gonna be the most. We don't. We uh, we can't hear him. Uh, you know what, Kyle? Do me a favor. Um, hang up and let's call him right back because this is this is stuff that I really want to get from. Got it. Uh, from Jonesy and uh, wherever he is, we're not getting him well. You don't get that too much anymore, Jody. We used to get that, gosh, when you and I were working together 27 <laughs> years ago, and you would say, Joe's in a car mobilizing, which I always thought was a brilliant way that you said it. We It was like every third call would drop off. Right. But uh, with the towers that we have across America now, it almost uh, never happens very infrequently. Maybe uh, Jonesy's up in Bamford and he didn't tell us about it. So that's Florida, the actually. problem. He is in Florida. Uh, so. then, then shame on the tr- uh, towers down there in Florida um, because, uh, yeah, he was breaking up pretty badly. He sounds pretty optimistic, Len. Uh, maybe yeah, I got, can certainly say back. more so than me. Uh, yeah, well, okay. Let's see if we got him back. There you go. You with us, Jonesy? I am sorry, okay. buddy. I'm down in Florida. I just uh, can't trust the cell phones down here for whatever reason. <laughs> I understand. I appreciate it. So let, let's let me uh, restate the question: Who on the roster now will thrive under him? Will like him? And who's going to find this a challenge? So Travis Konechny is the one guy that I really think is going to have a breakout season. And you know, you go back a couple of seasons ago, and the guy they call TK was an all-star player that looked like he had all the attributes to take it to the next level, even beyond that. Uh, his play dropped. He needs to be better. Tortorella's going to find a way to make him better. He's going to thrive under John Tortorella, and that's great news for Flyers fans because they need him to play to his potential and do a little bit more than that if this team's going to be a playoff team. So mm-hmm. that's one player that jumps out to me. Atkinson has already done extremely well under Tortorella. So I would expect that to continue. I would expect him to be a player that can convey the message to the rest of the team as well because he's been through it, he's done it with John, and he's played very well for him in the past. So I would expect that to continue. Uh, A player like Travis Sanheim, who looks like he's ready to take the next step, is going to be 
you know, pushed into being an even better player. And I think he's another guy that's going to thrive. Uh, Provorov, I guess, would be the maybe the challenge. We'll see if he's, yep. if he's stubborn or if he's going to be accepting of what is being asked. And the one thing about Provorov, he's an extremely hardworking athlete. So the demands from Tortorella physically are not going to be an issue for him. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of if he can take his game up to being a number one defenseman and play to what we thought he was going to be a couple of seasons ago. Jonesy, what do we make of the fact that the Flyers decided to go with an agency to advise them going through the process? And they were up front and said, this is going to be a process where we're going to take our time and we're going to make sure we get this right. We're in no rush to hire the next head coach and it came together as it did. And Tortorella ended up as the choice. What do we make of the fact that they decided to go down this road rather than just uh, give their general manager the say-so throughout the entire process to run the process and then pick the eventual coach? You know, Joe, I think it's going to become the norm. Although the Flyers were the first National Hockey League team to do it, I think when you look at things that happen in Chicago and the nightmare that they've been through with the way that things were handled uh, with the situation with uh, Kyle Beach, I think it's more about protecting the corporation, protecting the logo, protecting the name. Uh, That's the type of homework I believe that's being done by the agencies. And I would think that that continues here with so much on the line as far as your image, the image of the team and how uh, the fans and the people that follow your team want uh, and perceive you. I think that's going to be really important moving forward here as things continue to change in our world. All right, a couple more. We'll let you get back to the horses. For fans who, casual fans who watch the Flyers but don't really watch the league, although, boy, I hope they're watching the Cup Finals because the playoffs have been so great. But for Flyers fans who watch the Flyers and don't haven't really watched a lot of Tortorella, what is his system going to be? What can they expect on the ice from the product? What does he coach? Number one, effort. Uh, and not just effort where guys are flying around the ice. There's going to be, you know, a controlled – influence on the defensive side of the game where his team is going to be very difficult to play against the opposition is not going to find it an enjoyable experience and that comes in many different forms so number one they're going to be extremely competitive for every puck battle uh, there's going to be very little quit in the team and if there is it's going to be addressed right away and i think those are probably the things that will stand out the most i would expect they're goals against to drop significantly and I would expect them to be a much more respectable team in regards to how the opponents look at them when they come in to play the Flyers so they're going to get back to being the Philadelphia Flyers and John Tortorella again I can't stress it enough guys I, I truly believe this is the best possible hire and I know he's 63 or going to be 64 here in a hurry I think they got him just in time, and I think he fits what the franchise needs at this time, and I think there's going to be a lot of players that excel underneath him. Joan G., between you, me, and Glenn, there are no millennials on this call right now. Um, (laughs) There there are a bunch of fans in this town who remember back to the glory days and the Broad Street bullies and what actually delivered Stanley Cup championships here. Shoot, we got some Flyer fans that don't even remember when Keith Jones was a player. Um, But uh, certainly there is a percentage of the fan base that wants the Flyers 
to be tougher. There are no more Broad Street bullies. It's just not in the National Hockey League anymore. And if they attempted to reproduce that, it would be a mistake. But if toughness is what the Flyers need and what the Flyer fans want, how will John Tortorella get that out of this team? And how will we be able to identify it? Yeah, you, it's measured differently now in the game. And if you're you know, watching Stanley Cup Finals, you can see how influential uh, the guys that play the game physically are, like a Ryan McDonough and the way that he competes on the back end for Tampa. Pat Maroon, the guy that actually was drafted mm-hmm. uh, in the Flyers system years ago. Uh, the Corey Perrys of the world. Those guys have made their mark, number one, being good players, but most importantly, with their style of play. And that, that's how you measure toughness in today's game. So it's going to be about knocking players down uh, with the purpose of taking the puck away, uh, not so much with the purpose of intimidating. Uh, and I think that's the type of toughness that you need. And Tampa's proven it. Columbus proved it when they swept Tampa going back to the last series that Tampa lost before they've gone on this incredible run through the playoffs. It was a sweep by John Tortorella's Columbus Blue Jackets. And they just out-hit them, out-worked them, and then Tampa went out and picked up three or four players that were of similar elk, uh, including guys like Barkley Goudreau and uh, Blake Coleman. And that's how Tampa found a way to get over the top. So Tortorella gave them the formula. He spanked them and with a team that was inferior. And I think that's kind of what Flyer fans have to look forward to with the Flyers next year. All right, all good stuff. So uh, to wrap up, Keith Jones, uh, you were around this week when Al Morgani got named to the uh, the writer's wing or the whatever, the writer's honor for the, the Hockey Hall of Fame, which is huge. By the way, people have never been in the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. It is a great visit. It's really fun. Interactive Hall of Fame. Uh, you also know Bill Clement very well, who got in at the same time broadcast. Jody and I were reflecting. Jonesy, are you in any Hall of Fame? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm in the Western Michigan Hall of Fame. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, and I went back there, and I, I just figured it would be, hey, how you doing, shake your hand, and all of a sudden I was told, uh, do you want to go first with your speech or fifth? Ooh. And I had I had not written a single thing down. I actually took the <laughs> parking pass where I parked my car and wrote down four or five different things, and I said, I think I'll go fifth. <laughs> and after listening to the first four people go, uh, football players, basketball, uh, etc., track and field. Uh, they had prepared speeches, and they absolutely blew it out of the park. Uh, I stepped up and somehow managed to spit out enough words to make some sense of getting up there. But that's what I remember about going in the Western Michigan Hall of Fame. Well, listen, you are, uh, to my thinking, brilliant as a as a the two. I, I love the two different Keith Joneses. I love the Keith Jones who I hear. Uh, when I'm watching games on TV, and I love the Keith Jones who I hear on the morning show. So we appreciate you taking time out from feeding the horses to join us this morning. Always good to catch up with you guys. Thanks, right, Keith. Take care, guys. Well. Appreciate there you it. Go. Keith Jones. Uh, Jody, he's in his college Hall of Fame. Which, oh, know. by the way, great pick by Jonesy to go fifth. Because then you go up there. I know I, I would do it right off the top of my head. Listen, I know we've been here a while, so I'll be brief. <laughs> and boom, then you just go. It doesn't matter what you right. say after you say, I'll be brief. If people have already made it through four Hall of Fame acceptance speeches, you're a winner. As soon as you say, I'll be brief, you can just get off then and take your standing ovation. Yeah, they want to get to the bar. Exactly.
Good stuff. 215-592-9494. We'll take your calls coming up also. Talk about it. Eagles made a little signing yesterday. Hey, before you head out on that summer road trip, head in to United Tire. Get those tires checked and say big all summer long with great deals on BF Goodrich and Michelin. It's the perfect time to save on safety and get your vehicle ready for fun summer adventures with the family. Start your summer off right. Make sure those tires are ready for drives down the shore. Before those summer road trips are in your rearview mirror, get to United Tire. Remember, don't drive alone, drive United. Feeling the pressure tonight. Stafford airs it out. Jefferson downfield. He's picked. No, dropped. Unbelievable. A drop by Jaquaski Tart, and he cannot believe it. All right, that may be a little cruel, but uh, and I apologize to Jaquaski Tart, who probably has not even yet set foot in Philadelphia <laughs> and is looking forward to a fine career with the Eagles. But that's the only highlight I could find of the guy. By the way, he's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now. And, yes, uh, Jody, a busy news Friday. Friday's yes. usually pretty slow news days. But Eagle sign, as you hear, Jaquaski Tart, 30-year-old safety, um, seven-year career with the Niners, former second-round pick. He's been been injured a lot over the years, started 14 games last year. Um, I know you do your Eagles 365 show. Curious what your reaction is to this signing. It's funny uh, that you mentioned Eagles 365 because my other Mac partner. 360. I said 365, didn't I? Yeah, no, it is 365. Oh, it is 365. Did I just say safe? 360? I, I don't know. Whatever. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. We got it right. 365. Got it. Uh, my other Mac partner, John McMullen, and I talk more about this, even though you and I had talked about it previously. Pro Football Focus. I heard you and Ray reference it many a time on your yeah. weekend shows yeah. when you guys were. Uh, you know, th- my they annoy me because sometimes I think they get things such right, so right, that I agree wholeheartedly with them. And then there are other times where I go, what the hell? How can they crunch any number? How can they watch any tape and come up with this uh, scouting report yes. and or ranking and or whatever? So they're really hit or miss. But I, I give them at least the credit that they put the work in. They do, they check all the video. They and crunch they, all they, the They've stats. built a successful empire. I'll give them credit for their business model. So They sure. surely have. Uh, a lot of people uh, subscribe and, and take what they say. It's gospel. I don't. I know you don't. But I don't dismiss it either. Last year, out of 92 safeties ranked, uh, Jakuski Tart was 72nd out of 92. Not a great ranking. And if you break it down a little bit, he was very good, above average against the run. Uh, terrible would be a way to describe how he is against the pass, and not because he dropped that blatant interception in the AF- NFC Championship game this year. He's a box safety who doesn't have the quicks that he once did at age 30, has experience, is a good tackler, has a role to play. Uh, He's not an every-down safety. He's got to be in on specific downs. I saw my buddy Brendan Lee Gouton on uh, Bleeding Green Nation put up some numbers of how the 49ers were better when he was on the field than when he was off the field. It's because he's on the field on running downs, and most times they're right to be able to pick what down he's on the field, so you're not going to have big plays for big yardage if you're running the ball. He is what he is. He's a yeah. he's a running down safety at this stage of his career. Right, and if if that's all they need him to do, right? If they, they Listen, they needed a backup to Anthony Harris and Marcus Epps. Presumably Epps is going to step up and be the starter this year. Um, it's June. He was unsigned, so it's not exactly going to be a big deal. He's going to be a one-year guy who you hope can come in and contribute. 
and you hope you don't need to do more because yes, the 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 story on I can't tell you I watched every Niners game, but I watched him a few times and the story on him and what you see is he, he can't defend the pass. Um, he can tackle. And he can he's big. He he can defend the run. He might even be able to sneak in and play some linebacker depending on how the defensive coordinator plans to use him. So, yeah, not a big deal, but whatever. <laughs> right? You take what you can take these days. Right. And uh, I would have bet good money that they were going to do something along these lines. There have been rumors about, ooh, could they make a trade for Bates of Cincinnati because he's yeah, not yeah. going to sign I didn't see that happening. I've been throwing the name Chuck Clark out since the day the Ravens drafted Kyle Hamilton in the draft mm. in the first round, and he's been their starting safety for the last several years. They spent big money on Marcus Williams, outspent what the Eagles were willing to spend because the Eagles very much were in on Williams when he was a free agent this year, the former pro bowler from New Orleans. So they've got two safeties, and Clark seemed to be the odd man out, and I thought the Eagles could put a package together to get him. If they weren't able to uh, connect on either of those fronts, they were going to get a veteran guy who was going to be a situational substitution guy. And that's exactly what Tart seems to be at this stage of his career. And what you hope, if you go back to the Super Bowl season, they signed a bunch of guys like this that you just thought, like, all right, well, you know, small-time contributor and whatever. And they just got lucky in that all of those guys had good seasons at the same time. Right. And right. and maybe that happens. Maybe in this new city with a new defensive coordinator who knows how to use him and doesn't expose him to the things he can't do. He can be a contributor. But I don't know. And I got to tell you, and we'll get into I know I, I kind of planned a segment later to talk about um, the Eagles offense. I'm very gung ho on the Eagles offense. I'm pretty scared about the defense. Oh, no, I like the defense. You do? I think, yeah, yeah, I think they've made uh, some major upgrades there, most specifically at the linebacker position, which for years, well, no, let me correct myself, decades, yeah. I believe that they've been under-emphasizing, and I think they have upgraded there. Um, no, I, I think they've done uh, good things on defense. Jakiski Tart not being one of them. He's a he's a guy, is what he is. Yeah. And you reference 2017 when all those guys – found ways to contribute. I think it's tremendous that we remember all those guys when it works. Do you remember Eric Wilson from last year, the linebacker? Sure. That yeah, the didn't make it through Eagles the season. Did not make it through. Those guys we seem to forget. Yeah, the no, 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 I know one those year going to oh, get yeah. the job done type guys. Oh, no. They go out of our ego memory rather quickly. But the guys who come in, like Mr. Long at defensive end, making a big play in the NFC Championship game, oh, we'll remember him for decades. But yes. the guys who falter, which will Jakiski Tart be? Well, who knows? We'll yeah. find out when the season goes, but he'll fall into one of those two categories. All right, I have a completely unrelated question, not even pertaining to sports, but just something I need to ask you as I have a minute and a half to kill here. Gotcha. You play Wordle? No. Have you ever? No. Would you ever? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Every day. Fully addicted. Almost really? did not. Almost did not make the start of the show today because I needed to solve it. You, you know what it is, right? I, I generally know what it is, but because it meant nothing to me, and I'm not that kind of. I'm not a puzzle guy. I'm not a yeah. I'm uh, a do the crossword every day crossword. kind of guy. No. Uh, so did I do my research and even attempt to find out if it's something that would interest me? Again, real short answer: No. 
Okay, that's fine. It is just for people who don't know, and I imagine that most people like Jody at least know what it is. It is a daily word puzzle that comes up. You call it up on your computer or your phone or whatever. Uh, I usually do it on my phone uh, early, and you get six tries to figure out a six-letter word. It's the simplest. It's the simplest concept in the world, which doesn't make the game itself simple. And I have to tell you, I am full-on addicted to it and have since moved beyond it to something called quadrotal and octortal, which means you have to solve eight words at the same time. And I, I, have to, I think I have to go cold turkey because I swear to God, Jody, it's like three minutes to ten, and I'm sitting there trying to solve this thing thinking I can't get on and, like, pay attention to Jody until I <laughs> which I did, which I solved it today. Good for you, Mac-Man. took me four to figure it out, which is, I guess, about average. But, uh, yeah, it's – it's funny how stuff like that, which is so simple and so stupid, can be some can become so compelling. So if you don't do it, you're probably better off for that. I feared that, and that's the reason why I said no. Because yeah, I thought it could be something that could get just enough of a hook into me that I would only get ticked off trying to do it on a day-in, day-out basis. And I kind of like my life the way it is right now. That's why I don't play Madden. Because I think I'd be up to, I would be up till 3 in the morning playing Madden. It's like I got to win this last game. So, anyway, I limit it to a uh, a, a six of five six. Excuse me, five letter six guess word puzzle every day. That's Very it. Nice. Uh, by the way, anybody who's down in Avalon, New Jersey, or down the shore today, stop by Surfside Park six o'clock. My pal Ray Dinger is going to be speaking and signing books uh, there at the. It's a live. It's a library event, not a bookstore, but you can get his book. All right, 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald and I have two hours to go. We're going to talk to Ben Davis at noon. We're going to talk some NBA stuff coming up. We'd love to hear from you in this next segment. Jody and Glenn on 94 WIP. Ford, which is inbounds, and Draymond Green pushing. Six assists for Green. Curry along three. That's good! Steph Curry from way downtown! Some Curry chaos here on the third. It's the largest lead of the game. All right, so NBA Finals end this week. Golden State Warriors win their fourth. Jody Mack, we we talked uh, some baseball. We talked some hockey. We talked some Eagles football in the first hour. Let's talk a little hoops. Uh, first thing I want to ask you, because I was I was thoroughly annoyed with um, Bill Simmons this week, who, who said, um, I personally don't think Golden State Warriors four titles in eight years qualifies as a dynasty. Um, he does, by the way, think that the Patriots and Celtics of the past qualify as a dynasty, <laughs> you know, betraying where he's from. Can we define this as a dynasty four times in eight years in any league to me? These days, you know, there's 30-odd teams in every single league. And, and by the way, two other finals trips. Dynasty? I'm going to land in the middle oh, no. here, and oh. I'll explain myself. Oh, no. The win by the Warriors the other night is the beginning of the Warriors' next dynasty. Oh, Their three wins in five years is already dynastic in my mind. Ooh, they go to that uh, adjective there. Thank you. Uh, they they go two straight years of not making the playoffs. One year they had the worst record in the NBA. Right. And the second year, the play-in with the new NBA playoff format doesn't count as the playoffs. The first round is non-playoffs. It's just the play-in, mm -hmm. not the playoffs. And they got beat. 
So technically, they did not make the playoffs for two straight years. If you don't make the playoffs for two straight years, your dynasty is over. If you were in the midst of a dynasty, it has officially come to an end. Now, if you want to do revisionist history and reopen the window with a two-year didn't even make the playoffs drought in the middle of it, I guess you can go ahead and do that, but that's, that's not the way I look at it. Well, yeah, and I hear you, and yes, when you finish with the worst record in the league, it's hard to argue that it's part of the same administration or whatever, dynasty, but it, it was it was Curry, it was Clay Thompson, and Green played for all those, right? Correct. Yeah, and sure. Kevon Looney, believe it or not, who oh. they re-signed okay. to the one-year okay. guy. He's been there for all of them. And Andre Iguodala, who got in the other night just for the last minute of yeah, the game. The coach threw kinda, him a bone. Yeah, nice. And to Andre's credit, he got out for the two losing years and came back for the yeah, win. That's right. That's so right. he's he's kind of uh, – Andre has his own separate dynasty where you can combine the two because he wasn't part of those two non-winning seasons. Uh, but everybody's got a different definition. But I'm with you. How Simmons looks down his nose and calls well, what the Warriors have accomplished – a non-dynasty just boggles my mind. Yeah, just when he when Bill Simmons started, I thought, boy, this guy was really good because he was different and he was funny and he he took very different looks at it. And then he just became. I know he was always Mr. Boston sports guy, but you know anything outside of Boston is is not worthy for him. I, I find him very annoying. But nonetheless, okay, um, I think I do consider it all one. But I hear your point. And um, second question, Steph Curry. Top 10 player all time? Gets crowded. Yeah. If he's not in the top 10, he's just outside. He's somewhere in that 9, 10, 11, 12 range. Uh, I would not drop him out of the top 15 for sure. Um, so where does he fall between 14 and 9? That's very debatable, but he's right there on that cutting edge of top 10, and he is the unquestioned best long ball shooter in the history of the NBA. Yeah. Now, different people can define uh, shooting differently. It's not all about three-pointers, and there were great shooters in the NBA before there was ever a three-point line. But if you're just talking about long-distance shooting, sorry, Reggie Miller. He is so far surpassed you, it's not even worth talking about. He's the best long-distance shooter in the history of the NBA. All right, let me grab a call, and then I want to ask you about the local basketball franchise. Joe joins us. Hey, Joe, what's on your mind today? Hey, guys, welcome back, Mac and Mac. Thank you, you so much. It. Great to hear you guys together. I want to talk a little bit about the Twitterelli signing, but I want to use it as perspective about how we feel about our other three coaches, and I'll try to, I'll try to be brief. Um, Nick Sirianni. Okay, so he came in. He got us to the playoffs. We backed in. That's fine. Uh, he has changed his philosophy. He's got a better team. This is a show-me year. Glenn Rivers is turning into a pariah. He exposes himself every time he opens his mouth. I don't want to hear about the Clippers and his record. I want you to tell me what's wrong with your team. Okay. Rob Thompson, you can't argue with what he has so far. Let's see how he does with adversity. He seems to be the opposite of Girardi. Tortorella, okay. Why are we giving him a parade before he starts his first game? He's going to give us a better defense. He's going to make Hart better. But I don't want to be the 80s Devils. Your thoughts? I, I, I don't know that anybody's giving him a parade. Uh, I think I'm... Listen, I like the signing. I can't say it's the most excited I've been about a new coach coming in, so by by certainly by a long shot. 
Um, given the options they had, and Barry Trotz turned them down, I think Tortorella is good. I think, and and one of the things that probably will feed into your argument, and Jody and I have talked about it, is he's going to get more interest in this team. He's going to instantly make the Flyers more interesting and relevant. Now, that doesn't translate for very long if you can't win games, and if he has a bad first year, nobody cares that he's interesting. But for now, I'm just excited that they're back on the map. Does that? I don't know if that answers your question. No, that's per, you know that's perfect. I, I I need to hear that perspective because I've just been listening to the hype. I lost the Flyers as a fan many many years ago. I'd love to have somebody bring me back, and maybe he'll help. Um, but I just he's being enthroned. I think before this first game, and I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know what else you're listening to. I don't think Joni and I did. By the way, just what what you said you you lost the Flyers years ago. What took you away? Um, I think. Mike Keenan. <laughs> oh, jeez. Really? Wow. That was, that was 35 years ago or so. Yeah, he came in with a lot of fanfare. He got us to that last game against the Oilers, and then he burned everybody out. Okay. Okay. Well, if, if, if you haven't been following him since been, Keenan. Been a, been a long time, yes. Yeah, really, thanks. And l- l- I am coming up way short of hosting a parade for the Flyers hiring of their new head coach. Sure. Um, I, Glenn, I, I was hoping the Flyers went in another direction. The guy who will make or break John Tortorella, maybe even more so than John Tortorella, is going to be Chuck Fletcher because he is going to need to get players that fit what Tortorella wants to do. I don't think they have those type of players on the Flyers roster right now. We talked to Keith Jones, who said he thinks there are players that will work well under Tortorella, and Tortorella will mold them or he'll mold to fit the players. He's much more optimistic than I am. I'm not sure that the fit is great. So if it's going to work with Tortorella, I think it is incumbent upon uh, Chuck Fletcher to find Tortorella-like players. Now, again, easier said than done. It's a nice philosophy, and I could lay it out there for you, but then you got to go be able, be able to get those guys, acquire those guys. I don't know if Chuck Fletcher has the ability to do so, the flexibility to do so. Uh, that's why I was hoping they went in another direction. I was more willing to see this thing take more time, that they got a younger coach who would uh, be a little less my way of the highway type of uh, individual and show a little bit more patience. Now, I can't blame a Flyer fan who doesn't have patience because they've been waiting 40-plus years for a Stanley Cup. Yeah, Jody, now you're going to tell us to take three more before we're even into the mix for it? Yeah, that's what I was hoping that the Flyers did. They decided to go a different route. Now, they tried that with Hackstall. It didn't work, which doesn't mean that you don't try it again. Right. I just think Hackstall was the wrong guy. I agree. The philosophy was not bad. The actual choice of coach was. And actually, Hackstall was Keenan. Hackstall was they hired a college coach who'd never coached the NHL before. Keenan ended up being a career guy. Hackstall, well, he's back in the league now, but he didn't work out here. Um, Yeah, so much of it is on the general manager. But I'll tell you one thing that Jonesy said that I wanted to discuss with you. Because we talked about who's going to thrive, and he said Konechny's going to thrive, right? And so he named a couple of names. And we said, who's going to be challenged? And he said Provorov. Right. And that's going to be so fascinating to me because that was the guy who was going to be the anchor of your defense for a decade and a perennial all-star. And I mean, we thought Provorov was going to be a great, great player. And he, he, he had a bad year, and he has stalled. And if – 
If he doesn't get along with this coach, he's the guy you move. And that's that's a big deal. And it is, and even thinking along those lines, and again, we probably overrated Provorov and put him on a pedestal that he hadn't necessarily earned and deserved just yet. If they move him even preseason, before the season starts, which is probably unlikely, they'll try and give it a shot first. But if they find at some point it's not working, that he's not the type of player that Tortorella works well with and coaches and gets to improve and the like, they're going to be selling him on what? 60 cents on the dollar, 50 cents on the dollar from yeah, well, what maybe. one time we thought he was going to be? Oh, yeah, of what we thought he was going to be. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you're not going to – you don't get close to that value, certainly. All right, I want to get back to the NBA and um, 215-592-9494. So several of the uh, – once the season ended, several places put odds for next season to win and golden state of course is the favorite at 11 to 2 and the celtics are second at 6 to 1 so the two teams that were in the final are 1 and 2 the sixers are 10th at 16 to 1 and 10th means if it plays out as it's supposed to play out you once again lose in the, in the second, second round, round. yes we're, we're we're right back where we always were there's, there's, there's nothing there. And by the way, I have no reason to doubt these odds. I don't think the Sixers are as good as the teams that have the teams ahead of them are the Warriors, the Celtics, the Nets, Clippers, Bucks, Suns, Mavs, Grizzlies, Heat. I can't yeah, make an argument. I, I, I got a couple I could argue the Sixers over, but we're talking two out of nine, somewhere thereabouts. The, the, there are seven that if you're making the argument that the Sixers are going to be better coming into the season. And again, we're doing this today. Teams can get better. Teams can get worse. Teams could add free agents. Uh, teams could make moves. So so it's a fluid list, but you're, sure. you're asking me to react to it today. The highest I could possibly put them would be eighth, which would just about potentially get you into that next round. And that's probably through six or colored glasses that I'd be going with eighth. It's not all that far off uh, distance between eighth and tenth. You're right. So we will see what they do in the offseason. And the start of that, of course, is James Harden. And the stories come out this week that Harden is going to get three years. Um, by the way, there was a uh, there was a thing floating around this morning. Doc Rivers on TMZ, a fall place. You know, you know, familiar with TMZ, right? My daughter worked for him for a short period of Your time. Your daughter worked. For, oh, that's right. You told me that once. I yes, she did a summer internship her last year at uh, uh, Temple. Uh, she had two internships out in California, one working at a radio station and one working at EMZ, and she worked two days a week. Actually made some money. It was one of those paying internships, so Dad had to send less money out to California. So I was quite, quite pleased that yeah, she I'm got sure. to see Harvey every day. Uh, but because <laughs> That's the guy. They, they, did she get to work with that creepy guy? Oh, yeah, Harvey, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and she would uh, – quick punch. I'm sorry to, to get off the That's topic. That's right. That's okay. She uh, – um, she would she'd have to be in there at like 7 a.m. So she would be on the highways and byways of L.A. at 5.30, quarter six, somewhere thereabouts, and she'd get cut from where she was living to the TMZ studios in about 22 minutes. She would get off work at 4.30 in the afternoon because she worked two long days, but only two days, and it would take her two hours to get home. The same yeah. trip that took her two, oh. 22 minutes on the way in, took yeah. her two hours on the way home because of L.A. traffic. <laughs> but she, she enjoyed herself while, while she was there, and she did a lot of work with their sports department. 
Why did it, oh, I know why I brought that up because there's there there was a thing that sent out this morning that Doc Rivers loves James Harden, wants him to sign a long, big, expensive deal, and it's like what? And so I played it, and it's some woman. It, you know what? It might be the 2022 version of what your daughter used to do. I don't know what she did. Uh, As Doc Rivers is walking from here to there, right? He's walking into a parking lot, or he's walking into a gym. And a woman says, yeah, Doc, I want anything about James Harden. And, and Doc goes, like, yeah, I love him. Are you going to sign him to a big deal? He says, oh, yeah, big deal. And that's it. And it's clear yeah. that, that Doc is just trying to, like, walk as fast as he can away from this woman and, and appease her. But... I so if you see that Doc Rivers says he wants to sign James Harden to a huge mega deal, understand that it was somebody annoying from TMZ. But 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 story is, and and I hate starting to talk about contracts because it it is boring and people will drive off the road into ditches. So I'm gonna try to do it fast. The 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 story is that Harden will pick up the 47 million dollar player option for next year. Even saying that just gives me the willies, and will. The Sixers will add two years to it. So it looks like three years. I don't know. I don't think that's going to work out at all. I understand the Sixers are not in a great place with this. But I would rather have James Harden at one year for infinity dollars than three years at whatever this is going to be, $140 million. I know you uh, feel as strongly as you do about talking about contract. You can't have this conversation without talking about contract. You I know. Just can't that's why I brought it. Because it's a big part of it. Of course. Um, there, there are probably four options here. Number one is Daryl Morey, because he is so in love with James Harden, not only says pick up the contract option and we're going to max you out for the remaining years thereafter. And you have a five-year commitment to James Harden. I don't think anybody wants that. Oof. Um, there's the, yes, James, if you opt out, we're not necessarily going to be offering you anything. So best of luck, but it doesn't clear the cap money for the Sixers to use on somebody else. Cause they're already well over the cap. So you just don't have James Harden as limited as it may be as not as, uh, on uh, otherworldly that we thought it was going to be. To just watch him walk away is probably untenable as well. Uh, I agree. You, you, you can't pay a lot of money for nothing. I agree. Right. So you're stuck somewhere in the middle. How many years can you get done? What would be the best? The best thing would be, James, how about you come in, play for your $47 million, and we'll pick this up as the season goes along. They may have even broached that, and Harden said, "No, if you're not, if we're not talking about an extension, I'm out of here. I'm going to take uh, uh, opt out number one, and good luck trying to replace me with no cap money available to do so." So they negotiated and they tried to compromise, and they came down in the middle. If Jake Fisher Bleacher Reports uh, report is accurate, three years, it's better than five. If one was not really doable, we're talking between two and four. They're settling at three. The fact that he's getting the full $50 million or somewhere thereabouts, and this is all reported, not official yet, that it's going to be close to $150 million for three years. You just need to put that aside. That's going rate. You have to pay it. Would I have pre- My preference would have been as little as possible, Glenn. Would have been one year. If not one year, then two. If not two years, then three. The further you got away from it, the tougher a pill it would have been to swallow. I'm not happy with three, but I guess we're going to have to live with three. Yeah, well, that's it. And I, I can't imagine it's going to get better, but I understand what you say. But, God, I'm just I'm, – I'm girding for some bad basketball. So, a lot of rumors this week. 
Sixers apparently in the mood to trade. Kind of need to, to probably make a deal. Tobias Harris's name comes up. Matisse Thibel. Boy, did his his uh, star fall, huh? Stock he, dropped quickly, yes. Yeah, really did. Um, uh, I heard Shake Milton's name come up. I don't know what you get for him. Furkan Korkmaz. Uh, I don't think he's hit a three yet. Uh, They're looking to move Danny Green with a torn ACL, and he's 36. So good luck with that. Uh, The 23rd pick of the draft, which they can't directly trade, but you figure things out. Jody, what's your prediction? Anything there? Who's who's, – give me, like, the order that you see most likely to leave. I don't know that anybody's leaving. Ah. I like you're, Shake. You're running I, it back again? I want to keep Shake. I do not want to tra- uh, okay. uh, trade Shake. I like him. If they can trade Furkan Korkmaz and get more than a bag of balls, more power to them, I don't see it happening. Yeah, okay. Um, well, Tobias is the in, in Thibel are probably right. the big names there. Uh, and Tobias, to his credit, and I give him the credit and not the Sixer fan base because how many calls I have to take when I'm doing nights here on WI? He stinks. He's a stiff. It's the worst signing in history. No, it wasn't. They needed to sign him at the time. It is what it is. He's not worth his contract. He's one of about, oh, 150 players in the NBA who aren't worth their contract, one of which the Sixers are about to extend for two more years at $100 million by the name of James Harden, who also, the day that he signs it, won't be worth what his contract says he's worth. Uh, Tobias played pretty well in the back end of the season and in the playoffs. He filled his role. He did what was asked of him. Uh, I hope that the rest of the NBA sees it that way so that he is a viable trade uh, commodity, but I don't believe that's going to be the case. By the way, he was good in uh, hustle. Yeah, he was. I'll, I'll give him that. He was all good those, in all the Sixer guys were good. Yeah, they were. They pulled it off. Yeah, that was good. We talked about that last week. That that was a very surprisingly good movie. Uh, I I I liked that a lot. Um, actually, speaking of which, coming up is our what we're watching segment, and this has turned out to be fun because for the third week in a row. Jody Mack, you and I have watched the same thing, which is a new TV show, a new spy thriller uh, on FX, and we are going to both review it and find out if we both like it, like it equally, what we think. So good times coming up. We will do that, and we will take your calls. We have worked all of the teams into the conversation. You're invited to join. 215-592-9494. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now. Hey, before you head out on that summer road trip, head into United Tire. Get those tires checked and save big all summer long with great deals on BF Goodrich and Michelin. It's the perfect time to save on safety and to get your vehicle ready for su- for fun summer adventures with the family. Start your summer off right and make sure those tires are ready for drives down the shore before those summer road trips are in your rearview mirror. Get to United Tire. Remember, don't drive alone. Drive United. There's a villain in every story. Nobody ever sees themselves as playing that role. You have no idea what I did, who I was. There's no limit to the damage he'll do or the things he'll destroy. Well, that is Amy Brenneman and then Jeff Bridges and then John Lithgow in a uh, brand new series called The Old Man, uh, which uh, seven uh, episode thriller started Thursday night on FX. Uh, Jody Jeffridges has always been one of my favorite actors. He, he's never starred in his own TV show until now, and you and I both watched the first two episodes of The Old Man. Um, 
I, let, let me lay it out and then and then get you to, uh, to tell me how you how you felt about it. It's Jeff Bridges plays a long retired CIA agent who did something back in Afghanistan in the 1980s that uh, nobody is too proud of. So he's been living off the grid for the last several decades, and suddenly he gets flushed out. Uh, he may go ha- have to go back to Afghanistan to pay for his sins. Um, so the old man, Jeff Bridges, has to, has to flee and go underground as the FBI and the CIA are both trying to find him. Kind of like a Liam Neeson kind of role, Jody, is the, is the gray-haired retiree uh, brushing up on his old skills to fight off uh, younger adversaries. That's uh, that's my setup. That work? Let, yes, it does. Uh, you did it well. Uh, let me start my review by asking you a question. Jeff Bridges, one of the top 25 actors in the last 25 years? Oh, yeah. I love him. I, he's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. I've, I always like him in whatever he's in. As do I. Uh, and as you say, Jeff, not usually a television guy, but he, does, he did very well in the first two episodes here. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, well laid out. The storyline is intriguing with black ops and stuff like that. I, I eat that stuff up. So uh, it was a winner before it ever started with me. Um, if I had a knock, the only thing that bothered me in the first two episodes, and as I said, I'd give it a major thumbs up. The one fight scene yeah, where he goes off-road and kind of disappears, and the yeah. FBI agents who are finding him, he comes plowing in with his car from an unseen area and takes out one of the two agents, and then he gets into a fight with the other agent, who is probably 30 years his younger. Yeah. And it goes on for like four long. or five minutes. It's long and pretty brutal. Yeah. And they're grappling, and it yeah. just wasn't believable. And then... And again, for those who haven't seen it, you got to check it out because uh, I think this is one of the fun storylines. He's got his two dogs with him, and they're both attack dogs who are tremendously well-behaved and do everything that he says. He whistles for the two dogs, and the dogs come and finally take the agent out. Why didn't yeah, you do that I, at the start? Absolutely. Instead, you've you got to get into correct. a five-minute fight before you whistle for the dogs to come in and end it? Why not? I thought, I thought exactly first. the same thing. Right. I'm thinking, like, the dog's got to be nearby. We've seen those dogs before. The dogs, by the way, start out the show as, like, the sweetest things, chasing after tennis balls, and then you realize, like, he's got those dogs trained right. to protect him. No, you're right. And I, <laughs> I thought that same thing. Um, that said, uh, it really gripped me for the first two episodes, uh, and I and and both you and I like Jeff Bridges a lot. You know, he they had to shut down filming of the show because he he uh, if you remember he got lymphoma last year, and then when he was come off of that, he got COVID nineteen during his cancer treatment. So he came back, and I don't know like if what we saw was filmed before or after, but he had a rough year. He's great. Also, I think that um, John Lithgow, who plays the FBI higher up, who's, the, by the way, always the smartest guy in the room, is also really good in the first two episodes. Amy Brenneman, who's now, you figure, 50-ish? I'll go with that. Okay. Still looks pretty good. Yeah. She, she plays, like, the surprised love interest. Um, and I found it really compelling. I mean, I was I was drawn in like you. You know, you refer me every once in a while to some good spy detective kind of novels. I think you and I like the same kind of thing there. Um, this worked, and it worked from the start. There's seven episodes. These were the first two. I'm looking forward to the next. Um, very solid writing. And uh, I should say 
that the showrunner, a guy named Jonathan Steinberg, is the nephew of a friend of mine um, from the theater stuff I've done, Jay uh, Steinberg, and that kind of that was that's what originally pulled me into watching this thing. Well, you pulled me into watching it because I saw the commercial slash tease on some network. I was watching probably a sports show, and I said, ooh, that could be interesting. It wasn't the, oh, my God, I got a set recorder now type thing, but it was interesting enough to catch my attention. And then you mentioned it. I said, well, I'll put the record on right now. And I did, and I watched both episodes, and I enjoyed it greatly. Uh, one more quick Jeff Bridges question for you, yep. which I, this always kind of makes me scratch my own head. What role do you most remember Jeff Bridges for? Um, the one where he played the alien. Uh, what was the heck the name of the movie? I forget the name of the movie, but he played an alien. Why? Well, which one do you remember him for? Oh, Big Lebowski. Oh. <laughs> and, and he is so much better than that. He is yeah. a well, he was great dramatic in that, actor. Yes. That is kind of a goofball, cult-watching Shame on me that I didn't role. come up with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just, when I see it, I go, yeah, but Jeff Bridges is a real actor. That's like a goof actor. It's, that's great. I've watched it umpteen times. I'm not saying it wasn't good, but it's different than what most of Jeff Bridges' body of work has been. Yeah, he was great. He was also great in True Grit. Did you ever watch True Grit? Yes. It was great in that, too. Yeah, he's he is he's terrific. Okay, I know uh, before we go to the phones, there was another show that you wanted to mention that you watched? Did. Um, as a matter of fact, I watched it before. I was going to uh, watch The Old Man, and, and I saw this on my recorded uh, list as well, so I watched it, and I couldn't turn it off. Uh, there go three hours of my life. Uh, I record every 30 for 30 on ESPN their documentary series, and I didn't even know it was coming up. Um, they did one this week called Dream On. It's about the 1996 U.S. women's Olympic basketball team. We had a men's basketball team that year called the Dream Team uh, that got like 99.9% of the attention. Um, the women's basketball team won the gold medal. It was the jumping off of the WNBA that the NBA got behind women's basketball and said, we can do this, and uh -huh. the owners of the teams will own the same teams and the like, and how that team came together, and Tara Vanderveer, the Stanford coach, taking a year off from coaching to coach that team and the way she did it. Dawn Staley is a big part of it. Oh. Philadelphia Zone does a great job with the team as a player, and they interview all the players, and they talk throughout it, and they, it really is well done. If you're any kind of a fan of women's basketball, and you know me, I coached eight years of yeah, girls yeah, basketball yeah, because yeah, of my yeah. daughter, uh, so I've always been a fan. If you have been at some point, you must watch this because it is very well done. It's uh, historical references, and it brings back memories, and it's very well produced, and it's got a very Philly tangent tied to it in Dawn Staley. Uh, I will su absolutely suggest that you watch Dream On 30 on 30 series, the most recent one done by ESPN. Nice. Okay. Th those uh, documentaries are generally really good yep really good um starman was the name of the movie that i was trying to come up with you ever see him in star i don't think i did yeah he plays an alien who comes down and tries to blend it's actually pretty good it's um, probably mid to late 80s but very okay. good Must anyway that one. all right let's talk to aaron in norristown you're on wip good morning aaron good morning gentlemen how are you guys doing good doing great good good hey before i get to my first point uh, on that show, which is very good, I like the earlier, the flashback versions of John Lithgow and Jeff yes. Bridges. The guy who plays Lithgow literally sounds exactly like him. And the guy from Jeff Bridges literally looks like Jeff Bridges in Against All Odds. It was I tremendous. agree. 
I I agree. And at first, I thought they were actually the guy who who plays young John Lithgow sounded so much like him. I thought they just had used John Lithgow's voice for it. But after a while, you realize like no, he's actually talking. I had to look up the actor's name, which I forgot. I thought it was his son. who was so much like him. It very much. It's a good point. Yeah. Glad you like the show. Yeah, very good. So uh, on the flyers, I'm actually a little disappointed with. Uh, I understand, like. I really don't understand why they hired the coach, to be quite honest. I know they went after Trotz, and I think it's kind of telling that Trotz turned down, apparently, the richest contract in NHL history at $7 million a year, and then Cassidy goes to the, the Knights. I mean, at that point, I'm looking for a coach like a Jim Montgomery who coaches under Craig Berube, you know, who's overcome his, uh, you know, alcohol situation and is a hell of a coach and helps help win the Cups the Blues Cup, and I just don't really see how a team of the Flyers' stature is going to benefit from Tortorella. I think it's like another waste of three years before he burns out, and I am a little disappointed. I, I And you know what? I'd like to hear, not you guys, but I'd like to hear some of the media's opinion when he starts treating the media like crap. It's not going to be that cute when they're losing. I, I just really don't like the Oh, Flyers no, no. that on. That's that's going to be crazy, but, um, yeah. yeah, entertaining. <laughs> yeah, Jody, I, I, I listen – Jody, I understand why people think, uh, and it's kind of what you said, so I'll let you expound on it, that sure. you're getting a guy who's a 63-year-old retread, which is what I infer from Aaron here. And exactly. it, it, it's not even that for me. I, again, don't care how old he is, and I think that retreads work. You can get a guy who's won somewhere else and maybe had some downtime, and then you get him and he rekindles the fire. That's not my issue. It's Tortorella himself. That's the type of guy that he is. He's a taskmasting, hands-on, I'm going to tell you exactly, non-nurturing type coach. And I don't think they have that roster right now that that's going to work with. So unless you tell me Chuck Fletcher can wave a magic wand and get players that will fit what Tortorella does well, I I don't know that this is going to come together quickly enough before Tortorella self-implodes. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Good stuff. And and I hear you. Um, I mean, Trotz would have been the guy, right? Um, and I can't tell you that I know hockey well enough that I could say, you know, the absolute best candidate is this guy, right? right. I mean, Cassidy, who got fired from the Bruins, did a very good job up in Boston. Hockey coaches recycle probably more than any other sport, I would think, right? I think their shelf life is shorter. Oh, that's a good question. I'd have to really give that some thought. Um, basketball turns their coaches over and guys get second and third chances too. Like the one we have here in Philadelphia right now. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I would say those two are comparable. NFL less, baseball even less too. Um, but here's here's you, where uh, I have to admit, like you just did, if I had the guy, I'd feel so much better not questioning the Torella hire if I could point to the one guy. If you ask me who I would have said, it would have probably have been Kirk Muller. Because I wanted a mm-hmm. younger guy, yeah. a guy who'd been a player, and maybe he'd associate with the players better uh, and hadn't had his chance and could grow with the team. Do I know if Kirk Muller's going to be a good head coach in the NFL? I'm absolutely not. I'm just poking and hoping like everybody else. But if you ask me what type of a coach I was looking for, it would have been something different than Tortorella. I get you. By the way, what we're watching is sponsored by Guided Door and Window. By any window or door, get the second one at 50% off, plus interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Call Guida Door and Window today, one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Jody, last Flyers coach who you liked. 
Again, I'm simplistic like everybody else. I kind of like Terry Murray because he was a winner. Oh, you're... (laughs) Well, I have two after that. Who I like. Really? Yeah, I like Laviolette a lot. I thought Laviolette was a really good coach. Did I ever tell you my uh, Laviolette story? No, but I don't think he should have been fired, but go ahead. Tell me. Um, I've got two guys like this who fit the mold of my doing 35 years of sports talk radio. Um, When I worked uh, a little north of here in New York... um, I used to get calls from Pete in Uniondale, which those who don't know, Uniondale, New York, is where the players, uh, where the, uh, excuse me, Islanders Arena was, uh, uh-huh. the Coliseum was uh-huh. in Uniondale. And he'd call me and talk about the Mets or the Jets or the really? Giants or whatever yeah. else. And it just, uh, it grabbed me the first time I saw him on my caller sheet, Pete from Uniondale. I said, oh, shoot, same as the uh, Islander coach. And then I started to listen to him. I actually went back and listened to a press conference. I said, yeah, that's him. That's uh. his voice. <laughs> and he would call me and we'd talk about something other than the Islanders or even sure. hockey. He'd talk right. about something else. And I one time told my producer, I said, listen, when he calls in with you, put up Pete from Union now. I'm not going to take him right away. I want to talk to him during a break. I went in. I said, coach, he said, this is Pete from Uniondale. I said, coach, this is Jody McDonald. <laughs> Do me a favor. I know who you are. You know who you are. Um, I would love to continue to have this conversation, but if I put it together, somebody else could put it together. I don't know how much anonymity means to you, but uh, Pete from somewhere other than Uniondale might work better. Uh, so he did, and he called Pete from some other Long Island town that I can't P-Host. remember. Um, uh, I don't think it was his... Pete from Pihos, no. If, if he wa- <laughs> I remember you used, to, you used to use that line all the time. If yes. he wants anonymity, why would he call his Pete? That's what I was saying, but he did in this conversation. Yeah. We, he probably called me 10 times over the course of X amount of years that he was the Islander coach. He was the good only, guy. And the good only coach. other guy who did that was uh, Jeff Ruland. used to call me as well, and I recognized Ruland's voice. after he, This was after his playing days, and a uh, quasi-coach for the Sixers came and went and everything else, and it was the coach of Bayona. And Jeff and I actually became friends, um, but he used to call me every once in a while just as uh, Jeff from uh, Marlton yeah. or wherever he was from. Dykstra used to call everyone once in a while, pretending he wasn't Dykstra, but you could suss that out pretty easily <laughs> by the slurred voice. Yeah. Uh, the other Flyers coach, who is maybe, well, I don't want to say he's my favorite coach in all the four sports since I've been here, but he's in the, definitely in the top five, and he's the one who I came to know the most and had the best relationship with was Ken Hitchcock, who I thought was a good coach, but he's one of those where players can't stand him after a while, right. which is why he's coached in so many places but had so much success. But he... I had an, a thing with him where he would say, call me every, I forget what day it was, Monday at such and such a time, and I will tell you really what's going on here. And it was great because... Oh, off, off the record stuff. Off the record. Right. And so I, and it's when the Flyers were good and relevant and, you know, really meant something, and I was really plugged in, and it's because he appreciated the nature of, like, having a relationship like that. So... There you go. It's funny because, uh, as I mentioned, I and and I never, other than talking to him on the phone on WFAN, I never talked to Peter Laviolette. This yeah. was the extent of our relationship, but I liked him because he would call my show, but truth be told, I don't think he did as good job here in Philadelphia as he did previously. Next time you talk to him. <laughs> Which won't, won't happen unless he well, calls. And he calls. Uh, we're here. 215-592-9494. I don't know. Anyway, next time he calls, the story that's the most amazing story that he tells has nothing to do with hockey. It was his wedding, which was probably in New England. That's where he's from. 
in in the rain and they were under a tent and the tent got hit by lightning and half the people at the wedding ended up in the hospital. You're kidding me. No, no, they all got struck by lightning and Wow, wedding. I never heard that story. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty scary story, but a good story. All right, we gotta hit a break. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now coming up at noon. We're gonna check in on the Phillies with Ben Davis right here on ninety four WIP. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack, now Saturday morning, 94 WIP. This is where we check in with our doctor from Cooper Bone and Joint. And let me get to the thing here. Dr. Mark Pollard is with us today. Hey, Doc, how are you to this morning? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you guys doing? We're, we're doing well. So the Eagles signed a veteran safety yesterday, Jaquaski Tart. He's got a pretty long injury history, and, and most of these are pretty routine. He got knocked out in 2021 with a knee contusion. Uh, he had a couple of shoulder issues that knocked him out, a broken arm in 2017. Rib injury cost him four games in 2019. Uh, twice he has had season's end uh, with turf toe. And I always hear about turf toe, but I'm never quite sure exactly what that means and how a toe can knock you out for, in his case, the end of a season. Yeah, well, turf toe, you know, kind of came into prominence with the prominence of uh, AstroTurf and the very flexible shoes that the players wear. But essentially what happens is uh, your big toe um, bends up too far. You know, it's kind of forced into a, what's called hyperdorsiflexion. And so it actually injures the ligaments that are on the uh, bottom side of the joint. You know, just like you can sprain an ankle, you can sprain the the, the, the joint in your big toe. And, you know, there can be a, a spectrum of how serious it is to, you know, mild stretch of those ligaments to, you know, more severe injuries where you can actually tear and rupture some of those tissues. So, you know, recovery can be, you know, on the order of, you know, a, a couple of weeks versus, you know, much longer for some of those more severe injuries. Um, and it's difficult because, you know, once they occur, you know, obviously they can occur again. And, you know, shoe modification is the first line of trying to treat them. Mm-hmm. And obviously if you've got somebody who's, you know, one of their principal attributes is speed and being able to get up on their toes when they're running, you know, modifying how flexible the front of their shoe is, you know, can certainly affect things. All right, Doc, I want to ask you one question, and if it is completely unfounded, please tell me so. It's like, Jody, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um uh-huh. We've also talked about James Harden today, and there was a lot of talk during the season about Harden still dealing with a hamstring issue, and it may have actually affected its, his play. If the 76ers came to you and said, Doc, we want you to watch the tape of all the games that James played for us this year, and we want you to evaluate if you see his movement, the way that he plays, the things that he does, would you suggest that, yeah, there could be a hamstring issue there? Can you can you find something out like that from watching tape? You have to believe the player. You're asking a player. The player is saying that uh, he's got a hamstring issue and it's bothering him. But if they wanted an objective third party to be able to judge that, could you do something like that watching videotape? Uh, that's a little bit of a slippery question. Uh, yes, but, that's, why, I mean, that's <laughs> why I qualified it the way I did before I asked it. And if you don't want to answer it, Doc, completely understandable. No, I guess I would say this, that, um, you know, by watching tape, by watching, you know, athletes perform, you can, you can notice tendencies. You can notice the things that, you know, they, they may tend to do or they may tend to avoid. 
And, you know, to be able to do this, you'd have to watch, you know, tape, you know, have a large sample size, you know, a bunch of uh, game tape to be able to watch to see, well, you know, at this point in time, he was doing this kind of thing, but, you know, now he's not doing that. And so you could see tendencies, but there's so many things that can affect, you know, how an athlete moves and things like that, that I really don't think you'd be able to definitively say, you know, he definitely has that. The doctor defers, and we 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 appreciate that, Doctor Mark Pollard. Uh, enjoy the rest of this beautiful day. Thanks for checking in with us today. Uh, thanks a lot. My pleasure. All right, there you go, Doctor Mark Pollard from Cooper Bone and Joint. Jody, you going to do some detective work? I thought it was worth asking. I sure. feared that I was going to get the exact answer that I got. He, he actually gave us more than I thought. I thought he might go, "No, stupid. I'm not going to answer that question." But I figured I'd roll it out there. There you go. I I, I understand why you asked. Uh, Chris in Plymouth Meeting is with us. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Jody. Glenn, you make Saturday morning errands much more palatable. Oh, thank, thank you. So, Jody, you made a comment about Tortorella that you need to get him his kind of players. Who are the best coaches, any sport, that you saw at just coaching who, whatever players he had? Any sport? Yeah. Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson had different type of players in Chicago, went to L.A., had a different type. Shaq was certainly different than anything he ever had, and uh, he just continued to win titles. Now, he always had superstar-level players. It doesn't get any better than Jordan and Shaq and Kobe and the like, but they were different types of players, yet didn't keep him from winning championship on top of championship. So two I thought in Philly were um, Andy and Larry Brown. Uh, I definitely would say Larry Brown, Andy. Football, I don't know about, and I don't, this is not a criticism of Andy. Andy played the one system the whole time. If I'm going football, two that would occur to me, and I know I'm going back a ways, are Joe Gibbs, who won Super Bowls with entirely different offenses and different quarterbacks, and Don Shula, who won a Super Bowl with a team that never passed the ball and then won a Super Bowl, or excuse me, did not win, but got to a Super Bowl with Dan Marino. Good names. Well, there you go. Thanks. You got well, it. You, Appreciate you got it. it. There you go. Yeah, it's 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 football's tougher because most coaches just have their – and he had his system, and that's what he did. He won with different guys, but it was his system, right? It's and tough I'm okay. I'm okay with having a system-based team year after year after year if you continually show that it is just so much better than everybody else. Tortorella hasn't had that kind of success in the NHL. Mm-hmm. He's been good. He's been mm-hmm. above average. He's gotten his team into the playoffs, but then again, 16 out of 13 teams make the playoffs. Um, that's why I, if you're going to just stick to your system and say, it's my way or the highway, man, you've got to win a lot. You've got to be that good, and I don't know if that's the case here. We've had a lot of high-profile coaches, managers, pass through our town over the last decade and not do particularly well. Uh, one who just couple, got fired yeah. and one who everybody wants to get fired. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll and, see Doc's, and Doc's going nowhere fast this year. Uh, that is correct. 215-592-9494. Come up. We will check in. We'll do a little intensive Phillies talk as they win the doubleheader yesterday. 14 out of 16, 13 out of 15 for Rob Thompson, man. It's got to be the highest winning percentage in the history of baseball, right? Uh, stop the presses. He's in the Hall of Fame. I think let's call Cooperstown. That's exactly right. <laughs> Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Rainey kicks the 1-1. Swung on, hit well. Left center field and deep. 
Thomas going over in the gap to the track. He looks at the wall. It's gone. Matt Fearling has done it again. A ninth inning homer to put the Phillies on top. 6-5 as Veerling goes deep for the second time tonight. It's his third of the year. And the Phillies Matt Veerling, man. You are the man. No, that would be sacrilegious. But nonetheless, there it is, by the way, this hour sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. Uh, happy to be joined by our pal Ben Davis. Uh, fresh back from a little out-of-town jaunt watching the kids play volleyball, right? Ben, did she do, did they do well in the tourney? They did okay. I think they could have done better, but uh, overall I was pretty happy with the way they performed. I uh, had to get back because she has a, a cross tournament in Hershey, PA, she and her sister that my wife coaches. So they left this morning, and off they went. <laughs> you, have, you have four kids, right? Four, yes. Yep, yeah, bookend boys, 16, uh, 14, 13, and 7. So, and they are all, and I'm sure they just have you and your wife running all the time. Which yeah, is, that's all we do. We just, we're just, we just burn diesel everywhere we go. <laughs> right, one last question before we get into the Phillies. Yeah. Uh, because Jody was a sports dad. I was a sports dad watching our kids play. Jody coached his daughter in hoops. I coached my son in hockey a little bit when he was younger before they like got serious about it. Um, are you the sports dad in the stands who makes noise, or are you the sports dad who sits there and quietly watches? I sit there and quietly watch. I, I never say, and I, I never say never, but I never say anything to them uh, throughout the course of a, of a game. It's just I don't feel it's my place. If I feel like I need to mention something after the game, I will go ahead and do that. I think you could have done this better, or I think you did this really well. Keep that up. Um, but I don't think it's in the middle of the game is the time or the place. Tony, what about you? When, when you weren't coaching, when you were just watching? Yeah, no, I took uh, the direction from my father, who never said anything ever yep. until we got in the car after the game driving on the way home. Um, I but I got a question for Ben. Yes, How Jody. tall are you? I am 6'5". You are 6'5". Yes. How tall is your 16-year-old son? He's, uh, he's almost 6'4". He's getting there. He's getting there. So it's actually... Um, yeah, he's he's a left-handed pitcher, uh, first baseman. But it's actually tomorrow he's going to play in the Carpenter Cup in the semifinal and at CBP, and he's actually starting pitching. So it's going to be fun to watch him out on on that field. So it'll be uh, it'll be a, a lot of lot of fun, a lot of was fun he, to watch. Was he at uh, the homestand this past week? He was. Yes, he was. I think he yes. was at he was at a couple games. You saw him, Johnny. Your broadcasting pals mentioned that they thought that he was now taller than you. No, oh he's not. Oh, my God, he, look how big Ben's kid is. That kid's about six foot nine. No, no he's not there yet, but uh, okay. I have to keep knocking him down a peg. But he keeps creeping up on me. He's like, <laughs> look at me in the eye like, I got you now, Dad. I said, it's easy there. Hold your horses there, buddy. Not yet. All right, all right, all right. All right. The, the, the Ben Davis family is doing well, and we're delighted. The Phillies are doing well, and we played the Matt Veerling, the second of Matt Veerling's two home runs yes. coming into it. And Jody and I discussed this at the start, and I kind of want your thoughts on it, because when the role players are all doing well, right, when the Stotts and the Veerlings and all these guys are contributing, you know that things are just happening. I, I don't even know what question I have out of that except, boy, all those secondary guys are, are really helping out Rob Thompson and the Phils right now. Well, they are, and and they need that to happen because if they don't, then you can isolate the big bombers in the in the in the lineup. You can isolate Schwarber and and Harper and Castellanos and and Hoskins, who's swinging the bat really well right now. You can isolate those guys. So if you're getting production one through nine, it. Oh, jeez, you know what? I think that was I accidentally did that. Oh, I'm sorry, Kyle, get him back. 
Jody, I literally shifted my position, and I think I knocked the phone off. <laughs> Jonesy, we were blaming cell towers. The Jonesy ben, one was not my fault. This blame one, ourselves. I will, no, I will, I will take full blame for this. I just I moved, and I pushed my mouse, and when I pushed my mouse, boy, that's a sensitive mouse. All right. I'm sorry. We'll get him back. Uh, but, but to his point, and I think it's a good point, if you have the guys who are, say, 21 through 26 on your roster giving you something, that really it, it just gives you so much of a better opportunity. And we'll go further with Ben when we reestablish contact. Key being bullpen guys. You talked about Stott and Verlander. 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 I'll take else. Verlander if, that, if I can get him. He's pitching okay for Houston. Uh, could win another Cy Young. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- those are, are ones that you, you, you wouldn't think could give as yeah. big a contribution. Oh, the bullpen's used every day. Somebody's yeah. coming out of that pen every single day and either getting the job done or not getting the job done and grabbing the attention of everybody. That needs to be managed differently and better. And to this point, that's part of what's working for Rob Thompson. The bullpen guys have not blown up on him the way that they did on Joe Girardi. Well, Ben is back with it. Ben, I'm sorry. That was on me. That was my No fault. worries. No okay. worries. I was like, what the heck happened? <laughs> uh, I, just, uh, I accidentally pushed the mouse. Anyway, no so no you, you were saying? No, I just think that the, the longer they can keep this lineup going like that, it's going to just help everybody out. I mean, the more lengths they get out of that lineup, the, the guys, the, the Garrett Stubbs hitting the three-run homers in the ninth inning. I mean, these things are – I mean, it's it's been unheralded guys that – you know, you, you haven't really heard about before, but these guys are really contributing. It's one thing we heard Rob Thompson say, like when, when Bryson Stott really got hot. He goes, well, these guys bring a lot of energy. It's one thing to bring energy, but it's another thing to produce and contribute, and that's what these guys are doing. Mm-hmm. All right, Ben, let me take you to the bullpen. And Ben is good enough to come on with me every once in a while after the games as well on Monday and Tuesday nights here on WIP. So I think we've already discussed this, but it's worth uh, repeating and going over again. I'll get real specific. A guy like Familia. Brought him in, paid him what you paid him, he's had the level of success elsewhere, but you're a couple years removed from it. You're not asking him to close games, but you planned on using him in high-leverage situations, and he hasn't lived up to what would have been fair expectations leading into this year. Shoot, I got Philly fans call me and saying he should be DFA'd. He's killing us. They're not going to do that. How do you work around that? How do you get him back to a level where you can use him in a key spot? Not necessarily closing, but not garbage time either. Up by 10 runs, down by 10 runs. How, it's a tough task. How do the Phillies have to go about reestablishing a guy like Familia? Or have you seen enough where you say, all right, you made a mistake. You signed him. Now you got to eat it and you got to move on. Yeah, I think, I think at this point you got to take the feelings out of it um, because of the amount of money that, that ownership has spent, the fourth highest payroll. And, and you said it, you're not asking him to close games, but, Jody, you are asking him to throw strikes. And that's not just for him, but it's for the whole bullpen. You can't come out of the bullpen and throw balls. It, it just it can't happen. And some of these lineups are so good, especially these teams in the National League East. I mean, they have really legitimate lineups. And if you start walking, guys, you're just asking for that Earl Weaver three-run homer that's going to come back and bite you in the tail. Yep. But you are asking these guys to throw strikes. I think maybe that is the time you bring in a jury's familiar. Is you know maybe you're up by six or seven runs. Come in, throw strikes, and kind of ease your way back into that role that we signed you to be in. Um, up, but up, until then, I don't I don't see any other way you can bring these guys into close ball games because if they're not going to throw strikes, then they shouldn't be in the ball game. 
Yeah, well, and that's the problem that uh, that they have. That's the challenge they have is he he looks at the bullpen and who can he rely on? Who who are the guys? Who are the two or three names out there, Ben? That if you're a manager, you say, okay, it's a close game. It's the seventh inning. This is my guy. Well, I think he kind of saw that yesterday in the first game. Um, I think he saw that with Sarah Anthony, uh, with Brad Han, who came in to close that first game. You know, guys that are going to throw strikes for the most part. I know Han hasn't been great with inherited runners. But when he comes into a clean inning, he's been pretty darn good. Sir Anthony is on a whole different planet right now. He's a whole different level. Um, what he's able to do with the baseball, with the, you know, he's got that four-seamer that cuts a little bit, but with the, he's throwing that two-seamer now that's exploding down and in on, on the knuckles of right-handed hitters. And he's got this wipeout slider right now. He's got these three pitches that are just dominant. Um, and I, I think, you know, is he going to be the closer at, by the end of the year? I think that's a good possibility. But I think the role that he is having right now, um, passing that torch along, you know, when you come in that, we heard Larry Anderson say all the time, you, know, you come in that ninth inning, there's no net underneath you. Yep. And we don't know if Sarah Anthony would be accustomed to that role or grow into that role. I guess we could always try it out. But until then, I think the Phillies are content to have him be that eighth inning guy. You know, there's a couple guys out there that, you know, you just they are the box of chocolates. You just don't know what you're going to get out of them on a given day. Yes, some of them have really good stuff. But unless you can throw that ball across that 17-inch plate, you're not going to be out, out there having a lot of success. Ben Davis quoting Forrest Gump, let it be known. Jerry? <laughs> uh, I'll go non-Forrest Gump, or I, I don't mean to. If I go there, so be it. I apologize. Um, ben Davis, at what age in your playing career did you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, yeah, I'm not as good as I was a year ago or two years ago? Was was there a particular time, and do you know what age you were when you did that as a catcher in Major League Baseball? Yeah, um, well, I, I wouldn't say it was Major League Baseball. I think it was, um, you know, it was my last couple years in the minor leagues. Um, it was one of those things where my bat speed just kind of evaporated. It seemed like every time I went up to the home plate, it was 0-2 or 1-2. and And I had trouble hitting balls out of, out of, out of in batting practice. You know, it was one of those, it just seems like my bat speed decreased. It wasn't through a lack of effort. Uh, you know, Lord knows I was the first one there every day, get my swings and get my reps. It just seems like no matter what I did, I just lost my bat speed. It's, uh, it's, it's tough to deal with, but I think I was at the point in my life where I said, you know what, I can't do this anymore. At that time, I had three kids um, not making any money. I was basically paying to play money because, you know, they're traveling around with me, mm-hmm. you know, making no money. And it was just uh, it was one of those harsh realities. You've got, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to miss it, but I can't do it anymore. It was not a tough, not an easy time in my life, but it's one of those decisions as a grown man you have to make. How old were you? Uh, I was, what, 29? Yeah. yeah. I hope you've put together the pieces as to why I'm asking the question, because the yeah. Phillies have a 30-year-old catcher with three more years to go in his contract who looks to be losing some edge to his game, that his bat speed isn't what it used to be. It's a good thing he's still got his regular speed because he keeps bouncing into double plays, and every once in a while he does beat it out and let a run score with the bases loaded. Um, any similarities to what you went through with what we're seeing these days with J.T. Villamuto? I think it is in, in catching up to the fastball. You know, he was a guy that could always get to that fastball, and he could drive it line to line. He's just very late on them right now. He's hitting a ton of fly balls to shallow right field, pop-ups a second. Uh, he's just not getting the bat there on time. And he also seems to be out in front in, on breaking balls. 
So that's not a good spot to be. Uh, believe me, I, I've been there. Uh, but that's the one thing that the concern that I have with, with him right now is the fact that he's not getting to the fastballs. And that's not a good sign because if you can't hit the fastball at the big league level, you're not going to be able to hit at all because these guys have dominant fastballs. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why you get through the minor leagues. You're, you are able to hit fastballs and get to that level. And, again, if you can't hit them at that level, it's, it's going to be a long run. Um, it's a good question, Jody. I, I think it still could be in there for him. I mean, he's got the raw athletic ability. I mean, you can see that. But it just seems like he's a tick off this, not a tick off, but more than a tick off this year because he's just not getting these pitches. And it's the, he's getting good pitches to hit. That's what I think is the most frustrating part that I can see out of him. And he's not a guy that shows a lot of frustration, but there's some pitches, a lot of pitches that he should have gotten to this year. They're just fouling off down the right field line because he's late. Yeah, yeah, that is a concern. Um, ben, 13 out of 15 for the new manager. And, mm-hmm. you know, the axiom in baseball mm-hmm. is that a manager can – win or lose you five games a year and doesn't ultimately make that much difference. But clearly something is different. Is it attitude, strategy, luck? What do you see? I think a little bit has to do with, with luck and strength of schedule. Because, you know, when this whole thing started, think about it. They, they go in there and face the Angels, who were on that horrible losing streak, and then they end up firing Madden. And then they go into Milwaukee and play a horrendous team in Milwaukee. And I was just looking at the standings this morning. They're only a game back behind St. Louis, which I, I don't understand mm-hmm. because that Milwaukee team I saw, the lineup was just a bad lineup. You know, then they come back home and, you know, they're, they're, playing, they're playing better baseball and they're having all these guys that we discussed early in the conversation, all these guys, different guys contribute. And I think it was like the perfect storm to having, you know, winning 13 to 15 for Rob Thompson. From a strategic standpoint, I don't know how different it is. I mean, I think there's I, – I am seeing a little bit uh, a little bit of difference of letting guys kind of, you know, do it on their own instead of just pulling the plug. Uh, lefty, lefty, i got to bring you out. Yeah, you know, i got to right. bring a righty in. I think it's letting guys be themselves a little bit more. I will say – I will say this. I'm seeing a lot more top stepping, and that's from, you know, all 26 guys in that lineup. They're on that top – Stop, stop, step, rooting on their teammates throughout the course of the ball game. I'm seeing a lot more smiles on the bench. And listen, if you're not having fun playing this game, and again, it is a game, and I know they're getting paid millions of dollars, but at the end of the day, it is a game, and you play the game because, A, you're good at it, and B, because it's fun. If they're not having fun, there's no sense in playing it. I know you can say, well, I play it for that amount of millions of dollars. Yeah, you probably would. But if you're not having fun, you know, what's the sense in doing it? These guys are having fun right now, and you can see it on their faces. All right, Ben, last one for me. Very player-specific again. I asked you about Familia, about JTV Omuto. I want to ask about Reese Hoskins, because mm-hmm. when the team was struggling and before Girardi was let go, people were, we got to trade Reese Hoskins. Get what we can for Reese Hoskins. we got to rebuild this thing. Reese Hoskins is in a vital piece. And I would note that he's hitting two oh two. And say, what do you think you're going to get in exchange for Reese Hoskins if you traded him right now? Well, now he's carrying the team offensively, and that's Reese Hoskins. When he's hot, he's one of the best offensive players in baseball. Correct. When he's cold, he can kill you with his uh, strikeout, double play, out after out after out. So we know what he is. Now would be, if you're just talking about getting the best in value in return for him, now would be the time that you'd want to do something like that. If you went Dave Dombrowski's shoes, how would you look at Reese Hoskins right now? Well, I think it would have to be a major haul back and you know, maybe adding a couple really legit bullpen pieces. Um, Reese's, I think if you can manage the streakiness 
of, of Reese Hoskins, then obviously that would be the way to go. But we'd like you said, when he's hot, I mean, he, he has carried this ball club at times yep. over the last three weeks to a month. He's been outstanding. Um, and I know people get on about his defensive woes and this and that. If he drives in more runs than he lets in from a defensive standpoint, that's fine by me. Um, is he going to win a gold glove? No, he's not. But if he's going to drive in more runs than he lets in, then I'm okay with it. Um, if they were to move Reese Hoskins, which I don't think is going to happen because I think they're willing to deal with the streakiness, if they were to deal him, I think it would have to be for some legit bullpen pieces, maybe even a starting pitcher. I'm not sure. Um, but I think that's the only way that Dave Dombrowski deals him right now. Yeah, and it's tough to find a team that has more than one legitimate bullpen piece to move. Correct. And I'm, I'm not moving for a guy who's going to give me 70 innings a year, which is typically what you get these days. So, yeah. Ben Davis, it is always a pleasure. When are you? Uh, when do we ne- next get to see you on TV? I will be. I fly out of here on uh, the off day on Monday to head to Texas. So I got those two in Texas in the booth with Tom, and then we go to San Diego for four uh, before returning home. San so, Diego is going to be a really good test. It will, it will be a really hey, big test. Yeah, if they're he playing can be whatever ball. nineteen out of twenty-one after San Diego. Then we really got something. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ben, go enjoy all your kids, man. We'll do. Thanks, guys. I appreciate right, it so much. Okay. Thanks Have so much for joining us. Yeah, the, the challenge for trading Hoskins is nobody's going to get. I, listen, if you can get a legitimate starting pitcher, I, everybody's looking for that, right? I don't know who's going to give you that. And bullpen, it's there's just not not that much depth. If if you're a bad team, you probably don't have good bullpen to trade. Right, and I give Dave Dombrowski and the other 29 general managers and all those who came before him this much of a break. It's the toughest thing in baseball to do. Identify good relievers that are going to be good when they come to your team. You you go out and get guys that you think are going to be upgrades, and they come in and they stink. You find a guy in the scrap heap, he comes in. You see what this kid Holmes is doing for the Yankees this year? He's become their closer. Yes, He was a middling guy. I saw him pitch plenty against the Phillies out of the pirate bullpen. He was absolutely nothing special. How the hell do you know he's going to become the best closer in baseball? It's so year-to-year with relievers, which is why the the one thing that I do believe in is not signing relievers to expensive long-term contracts. Right. Because they're all so year-to-year. And, All right. Let me, but, let's, uh, but if you're trading a guy like Reese Hoskins in exchange for him, you can absolutely get crushed in the deal. Oh, Bring yeah. in a guy, and a guy can be uh, well below average, and you're ca- counting on him being the key piece of your bullpen. Yeah, good luck. Roll the dice. Well, that's. I mean, it was for, it was a signing, not a trade, but that's what Canable is this year, right? Yep. They thought he'd come in. He'll be good, and hardly. Uh, let's get Carl in Bucks County up here. Wants to talk about Hoskins. Hey, Carl. Amazing coincidence. There you go. Let me preface everything by saying it's wonderful to hear you guys together again. You, uh, sadly, I had to take the loss, the loss of Ray, and I hope he's enjoying retirement. He uh, Ray retires in an odd way, so he retires, and now all he all he does is work. So this will give me one more one last chance to plug it. He is going to be signing and selling books today at Surfside Park in Avalon. Ray is driving from Center City to Avalon just to do this library book signing at six o'clock. So there you go. So he'll okay, be, he'll be the he'll be the guy on the beach with long uh, long pants, khakis, and a button <laughs> yeah. down long sleeve shirt. That's the one. Okay. You got it. I'll see him on his blanket. Okay. I, 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 this, uh, I, nothing personal about Reese Hoskins. I'm looking at a ball player. Uh, first of all, he cannot field his position, which frustrates me. That error the other night on that throw, this kid plants his foot on first base as soon as he hears the ball, 
go off the bat, and he anchors there no matter where the hell the ball is thrown. Teach him how to move his feet and, and shift his positioning. Number two, uh, yeah, you're, you're not going to get a hotter Reese Hopkins until probably mid-August because that's the way this kid rolls. He's good for 10, 15 home runs on the beginning of the season and a little bit more than that, maybe towards the middle and end of the season, mm. and he gets a soft 40. And while you say that you know, they're functioning and I hate to give that up, he's, he's not going to win you a pennant. He's not that type of a slugger. They don't fear facing Reese Hoskins because you can pitch to Reese Hoskins. You'll strike him out of the same pitch a million times. And that's my biggest complaint about him. And the Phillies going into this season, I don't know the new players, but up until then, they seem to get struck out on the same pitch all the time. Hey, I you, don't see a lot uh, of them just. I, 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 listen, I appreciate your input. I don't have a whole lot to argue with you about. But you do realize that you you don't sound like a guy who's enjoyed the last fifteen games. Has he been on vacation the last two weeks? Yeah, I was going to no, say, no, Carl, no. you're a bit of a Debbie Downer considering what's going on these days. Well, because it's so delicious when it happens, and you know it's not maintainable. All right, and okay, all, all right, we got it. We got to go. I I appreciate your input. I'm late for a break. I wanted to get you in before that, Jody. All those good vibes I had after Ben Davis eroded with that call. And and uh, Ben is not a, a pom pom waving guy. No, no. There there are guys like that. He's not one of them. He'll tell you what he sees. But yeah, Ben paid close attention the last two weeks. Apparently, the caller has been out of the country, and uh, I hope he had a great time and yeah, uh, didn't have any problems getting back in. Thinks it's a mirage. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. We are here until one o'clock. Go Birds Radio coming up at that point, Kyle. And Kyle today. Because we've covered a lot, we always like to get in what we forgot to talk about. You have a an especially great one of those coming up at the end of the show, right? I sure do. Good. I want to plug that. There you nice. go. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. Jody, you got any big plans for the rest of the day? Any, any Do anything this weekend that's going to be fun? You probably work in 18 different jobs today, aren't you? I don't hear Jody. Okay. Well, <laughs> in lieu of that, is he still connected? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, there you are. Okay. Hey, sorry about that. That's all right. That's okay. Uh, I, I will ask you, do you have any plans for the rest of the day? Anything fun this weekend? Or are you uh, working your oh, no, I'm working. different jobs? I, I, I work on the weekends. Uh, some people uh, take weekends off, like 90% of uh, the working world. Uh, I got a CBS show tomorrow, uh, tonight, one uh, tomorrow night as well, and a, uh, a, a massive show with you tomorrow. Yeah, you and I have 90 minutes tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> there, you, there you go. Early Phillies game, noon in Washington. They want to get that one out of the way for all those suffering Nationals fans. So, yeah, you and I are on from 10 to 11.30. Do you – and I know everything is different, right? And and you, you have done local and national shows for decades. Correct. So it's probably not – I may be asking you, like, who's – you know, asking somebody who's their favorite child. Um, do you – have a preference over all these years of doing local or national? It's funny because I now enjoy the mix. Mm -hmm. um, there was a period of time when I was only doing local. There was a period of time when I was only doing national. And now I'm getting a chance to do both. 
and it's just that much more fun. Now you got to remember what you're doing every time you sit down that uh, you have a different way of doing the show. You have a different way of emphasizing different things. I love doing both. Uh, it is kind of like, yeah, which is your favorite child? You can't win the uh, argument one way or the other, but uh, I, I really do enjoy doing both. I got to think national is tough only because, I mean, I can immerse myself in the, in the four teams here and feel like I really know what is going on, right? Although we just had a guy on Twitter who said, neither you nor I know anything about hockey, so we shouldn't even be talking <laughs> about it. But that's he's a little more excited about the hiring than we are. I only played it and coached it and covered it and whatever, but that's fine. He can he can certainly have that opinion. But with doing national stuff, and I I remember working with you all those years back. I was always amazed that you could tell me, you know, who was the backup third baseman on the Seattle Mariners and who was the second line right winger on the Winnipeg Jets. And you just you you had an amazing ability, amazing retention and knowledge of that stuff. But doing national stuff, I mean. Somebody's gonna somebody's gonna bring up like you know what do you think of the Sacramento Kings versus the the Houston Rockets and like I don't know <laughs> I got a general enough knowledge to be able to carry on that conversation now it takes work you got to put in the time and effort you, I spend too much time in front of my computer at some point like you I think I'm gonna get carpal tunnel haven't yet I'm not actually a writer but I spend so much time going from website to website to website to website uh, that yes it it to, to be able to carry on a conversation on a national level you got to do a lot of homework and I willingly do so but uh, you know enough I know enough if somebody wants to get really uber specific about the Vancouver Canucks about their fourth line center being a major detriment to the team all right yeah I'm probably fudging that one but um, for, for the, the, the the news breaking topics and the big stories and the like um, we talk a little bit about the Sean Watson here in Philadelphia because yeah. the Eagles did legitimately try and acquire him. So uh, he'll come up every once in a while here. Oh, no, everybody talking about him on a national level. Yeah, that, well, sure, sure. That That's most of what the national shows are like. The yeah. very specific, minute, detailed conversation about a specific team, you only get once every blue moon. Yeah, thank God the Eagles didn't get him because I'm guessing he's going to get a long suspension. The stuff that's coming out that continues that, oh, yeah. uh, that and and what's really bad is and I had John McClain on one of my shows the long time uh, NFL Houston. writer yep. Hall of Fame guy from Houston um, uh, he didn't even know that the he, at some point I think the Texans were complicit that he had a security mm -hmm. guy who was giving him NDAs for his masseuses to fill out ahead of time. Why is that even necessary? Yeah, I saw and, that. And how do you come up with the fact that, other than he told you, yeah, someone's thinking about outing me on Twitter or whatever, and your response is, here, it's an NDA, get him to sign it ahead of time? Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. That looks really bad. And the contract that the Browns signed him to is also seems complicit because if he gets suspended the first year, he loses very little pay. It's all backloaded and guaranteed, and the Browns, I think, are going to end up looking real bad in this thing. Anyway, all right. I wanted to discuss one thing. We talked earlier, Pro Football Focus. I'm, I, You're not a huge fan of it. I like it less than you, but every once in a while they do things that I do find interesting and sometimes good. They did a ranking of the 32 offensive lines in the NFL. The Eagles ranked first. I don't think that's anybody really uh, has a big problem with that, even if you're not an Eagles fan, right? Their offensive line is terrific. 
here's the reason why they're first. If you ask me who's got the best starting five in the National Football League on the offensive line, I would say Philadelphia Eagles. If you ask me who's got the best depth on the offensive line, I would say the Eagles. Not only are they very good across the board with their five starters, and oh, by the way, I think Isaac Samalu is going to start right tackle. There are some who are saying that right Driscoll guard. did a good, what did I say, tackle? I yeah, meant right guard. Yeah. Um, excuse me. Thank you for correcting me. Um, Driscoll did well filling in there last year. Isaac's going to start. as uh, the, the offensive line uh, coach, who, oh, by the way, is the closest thing to an assistant coach you're going to find on the Eagles right now, um, loves him. And he has shown the ability to be flexible and move from side to side, move from guard to tackle and center and everything else. I think he's unquestioned. If he's healthy, he's going to be their starting right guard. But they got great depth as well. Their youngsters are good. And they have, because of injuries, had to force feed these guys into the lineup. I expect Nate Herbig to go up and start for the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Prior, who couldn't make the Eagles roster, is starting for Indianapolis. It just tells you how good they are and how good Stoutland is as an offensive line coach. I agree. And they got a first-rounder who can't crack the lineup, which I don't know if that speaks to Dillard or Mylotta or whatever, but yes. But So now, uh, in addition to that, the Athletic this week did its ranking of offensive skill players of the 32 teams, and uh, not quarterback, but they ranked three receivers, um, uh, an X, a Z, and a slot, theoretically, a tight end, and a running back, okay? For each of the 32 teams, the team that they put the best is the Bengals, which, you know what? Not bad. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst, and Joe Mixon. That's pretty good. Right. Okay. They have uh, the the Dolphins second. Well, I guess they got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So yeah, why not? Jacecki's good. Uh, Mostert is their running back these days. Uh, the Raiders third. Remember they got Devonte Adams and they got Darren Waller. They have the Niners four, and the Eagles five. Fifth best skill position set in the NFL, and I think. I believe they're second in the NFC in this behind only San Francisco. Yeah, second in the NFC. So the offensive line is great. The skill position players are well above average. You talked earlier about how excited you were about the defense, which means it all rests on, well, two things, Jody. (laughs) The quarterback and the coach. Yes, and oh, by the way, if you're specifically talking about the offense, we found out the coach isn't as, as involved as we were led to believe, yeah. or we thought was the case, that yeah. Shane Steichen took over play calling midseason last year and is going to be the play caller this year, which I'm okay with. Usually you wouldn't think that with a second-year coach. He's already given up the responsibilities of play calling. Well, he wasn't really a play caller when he came in. Mm-hmm. The Indianapolis Colts head coach we know quite well was the guy who was calling plays when he was there. So they hired him because they just thought he was a good coach, period, and that he was a motivator and that the players would respond to him. Uh, so the fact that he has already given up that responsibility some people have an issue with, I don't. Now, I don't know how good Shane Steichen is. I didn't put him through that uh, same microscope that you would if you knew he was calling the plays. But we can look back in 2020 hindsight. Um, yeah, I'm going to pay very close attention to Shane Steichen this year, but I'm not I'm not put off by the fact that as of right now, it doesn't look like uh, Sirianni is going to be calling the plays. Yeah, I don't care who calls him as long as it works. And Sirianni gave it up. He didn't say what week it was, but it sounded nope. like it was shortly before midseason. 
And the Eagles' offense was much better in the second half of the season than it was in the first. Now, you can also say they had easier opponents, but they changed the focus of it, and they began running the ball. Um, you know, the low point was that game against Dallas where they gave it to the running back four times, something like that, ridiculous. And they and they never got anything going, and then they changed it, and it worked. So if it's Steichen and it works, I don't care who it is if the head coach thinks – he wants to be more involved in kind of looking at what's happening on the field and talking to the refs and talking to his special teams coordinator and doing all of those things. I I don't really care how they administrate it as long as it works, and I thought it worked. Um, and these rankings give you a lot of optimism for the season. Again, it's Jalen Hurts, or I don't want to say it's Jalen Hurts' rise or fall, but so much of it rides on Jalen Hurts' ability to take a big step up this season. Uh, and I can't say I'm confident or pessimistic with Hurts. I just want to see it. Right, and we're all going to be watching it. Uh, don't bother watching the preseason because he's not going to play there. No. He didn't last year. He's not going to this year. Until week one against the Lions, we're all going to have our opinions on what Jalen Hurts can be, will be, where the improvement's going to come, and then we're going to have actually have to wait and watch it for ourselves to find out if it's actually going to transpire. Yeah, can I predict uh, August for us? Thursday night, so we're going to come on in a weekend in August, you and I, and Carson Strong is going to have like some great Thursday night preseason game, and we will be fielding calls about this is the guy. This is the guy who should be starting. It's a foregone conclusion, Mac. Of course it's going to happen that way. Not if Gardner Minshew has anything to say about it, but (laughs) someone will go in reference to, we need to go in another direction at quarterback. Oh, yeah, and people love the backups. They always There's no better job than being a backup quarterback. It's uh, you, you get paid a lot of money, you don't get your uniform, you don't get hurt, and the public tends to love you. It's a good gig. Yeah, and in case there's a uh, fight that breaks out on the sideline, you got the clipboard, so you also have a weapon that you can use to defend yourself. <laughs> there you go. 215-592-9494. We have one more segment. Jody McDonald, Glenn Macknell. We'll find out what we forgot to talk about. And there was a lot this week that would uh, be fun to squeeze in here on 94 WIP. And it is time for me to tell you about United Tire. Look, before you head out on that summer road trip, head into United Tire. Get those tires checked and save big all summer long with great deals on BF Goodrich and Michelin. It's the perfect time to save on safety and to get your vehicle ready for fun summer adventures with the family. Start your summer off right. Make sure those tires are ready for a drive down the shore. Before those summer road trips are in your rearview mirror, get to United Tire. Remember, don't drive alone, drive United. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Macnow. This hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Business banking at its best. Visit them at meridianbanker.com. Jody and I will, as we said, be back again tomorrow for a quick romp through the park, a little 90-minute show leading up to Phillies Nationals. Uh, and Jody, every Sunday we do our Shibe Sports this week in Philadelphia Sports History, and I will just preview it by saying I actually think today is the end. No, yesterday was the anniversary of something we will discuss tomorrow, which is one of the bleakest, blackest days in Philadelphia sports history. Anyway, that's the tease. All right, let us go to our producer. Kyle Quinn, and find out what did we forget to talk about today. Yeah, well, I want to start this off on a little happy day. I'm going to give you a little uh, 
The Braves lost the game, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. So after what, like 13 or 14 in a row? Losing one nothing to the Cubs yesterday. So the Phillies finally were able to gain a game on the Atlanta Braves. Game and a half. That's right. They won two yesterday. <laughs> it is amazing. I don't know that it's ever happened in baseball. The team wins 13 out of 15 games and actually loses ground. You, you, can't, you can't foresee something like that. But Only the Phils. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, um, and the Mets are, have had such a good season. I think we all agree. We're, the Phils are playing for the wild card, right? Yeah, because it doesn't look like they're going to catch up to the Mets, and the Braves look like they might catch up to the Mets. So, mm. Right, and it'll take, Joe, you figure 87 wins for the wild card? Uh, 87 for the third and final one, yes. I think you're okay. going to win. Uh, can 86 get it done? Maybe, maybe not 87. I'd feel more comfortable with it. All right. So you just uh, want to get in the tournament, right? Right. And I, I certainly believe this team is capable of doing it. I believed it before the season and the way they're playing right now. They're, they're not going to win 13 out of their next 15 going forward from here. But uh, do I think they can end up with that kind of record? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yep. Yeah, they they definitely need to keep piling on these series wins because it's kind of a logjam there at the bottom of the uh, the bottom of the standings there for that third wild card. Teams like the Brewers, uh, even the Braves, Giants, you know, Padres, Dodgers, whoever is going to be left out of that division is going to be fighting for that spot too. So definitely going to be tough to uh, get into toward the end of the season there. So uh, agreed. Yes, you just keep playing playing the way they're playing and. The one thing that the Phillies had a tough time doing in recent years was beating bad teams. We talked about that last week. They went out and had a great week against the Marlins, who are not terrible, but they always have problems with the Marlins. And so far with Washington, two games to go, that's a good sign. Yeah. All right. Beating the else? Marlins was a – sorry, just real quick. Beating the Marlins is a big step forward. Where you'll really know if they're getting it together is if uh, – I want to see them take on the Braves in a couple weeks, see how they fare against uh, in that series. So Agree. That'll be good. Okay. Uh, Stanley Cup Finals, fellas. You guys mm-hmm. been watching any of that? Game one the other night, overtime. This is such a good matchup in terms of like like an actual hockey matchup. I mean, the offensive firepower, the Colorado Avalanche versus Vasilevsky, who I think is just a complete great. stud. It's yep. a great series, guys. Jody, you go first. Is that maker guy available? I think he'd be a Tortorella <laughs> player. Yeah. If they could get him, he could improve their defense pretty quickly. Uh, Bobby Brink in, instead of him, huh? I do, think. You, do you or know Cam York, who, maybe? who Al Morgani compared him to the other day? Bobby Orr, didn't he? Unbel- I yeah. fell off my chair. <laughs> yeah. Al being a, first of all, Al being a Boston guy. Yeah. Second of all, Bobby Orr, you're too young to have seen Bobby Orr. Jody, you, I don't even know if you saw Bobby Orr. I did. You did? Yeah. Okay. Just I was young and yeah, um, I not, not the beginning of his career. I saw the later stages yeah, of Bobby um, R. Which, by the way, post knee surgeries. Yeah. yeah, he was not the same player, but you could just tell, even though he wasn't getting the kind of results that he did. Just so smart, always in the uh, right space on the ice and making the right pass. Even though he was a shadow of his former self, he was still phenomenal. Well, I saw Bobby Orr in his prime, as obviously did Al, growing up in Boston. And for Al to compare anybody to Bobby Orr was amazing to me. Bottom line is, listen, I'm excited about Tortorella coming to Philadelphia. We'll see how it works out. So much more of it is on the general manager than the coach. But this is this is going to be fun and exciting. You look at what you see in the Cup Finals and in the series leading up to the Cup Finals. You know the 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 the, the Final Four, the, the semis, even before that. It's a whole different realm of hockey they're playing now than what we've seen in this city, and hopefully the Flyers will be able to get there. Yeah, and that's a soon-to-be-inducted Hockey Hall of Famer, Al Morgani. So that's his, true. His opinion's not to be taken lightly on that, right? <laughs> no, carries more weight than it did five <laughs> days ago. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, let's 
pivot over to the, we're not quite a soccer city, guys, but uh, maybe that could all change four years from now as Philadelphia has won the bid as a host city for the 2026 World Cup. That adds a little extra juice to the World Cup for you guys, does it? Um, I, I think people know I don't, I don't care a whit about soccer and I, and I'm, I don't mean that in a hostile way. I just, I, like, I don't watch it. I don't enjoy it, but, uh, I am a fan of big events and I'm a fan of our area of our of Philadelphia and the metropolitan area. And I think when you get big world events, this one, specifically the world cup, uh, conventions, you know, the Pope visiting all of those things, it helps show you as a world-class city. So getting the world cup to me was a Big deal, and for people who love soccer, it's going to be great. Jode? Um, will either Jaquiski Tart, recently <laughs> signed Eagle, or Jamie Tart be participating? Jamie, Jamie in- Tart. Oh, my God, what a great wow. pull by you. That was so great. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's impressive. <laughs> that is great. For people, you better, for people who don't know, tell them what that is. That would be a Ted Lasso reference. Yes. Uh, I like Glenn. I'm not a big – I don't think I'm as much a soccer detractor as Glenn is, yeah, but I'm not I don't a do big that fan anymore. of any stretch of the imagination. Great that it's coming here to the U.S. Here's the only question I have. It's 2026, right? Yeah. And they usually have it in sometime in June or July. This year they're doing it late because it's in Qatar and the yeah, heat would be too much. So it's not coming down till into the fall. But I'm assuming they're looking to come back to summer months for 2026. We got the Major League Baseball All-Star Game coming in. Oh, we're going to have everything. Yeah. In 2026. <laughs> well, because it's, it's, it's the 250th anniversary of the country. So uh, for people who remember the bicentennial in 76, everything was here. I think all four, well, not the football All-Star game, but I think NBA All-Star game, NHL All-Star game, MLB All-Star game, we're all here as well as a bunch of stuff. So you you worried about them conflicting in time? Conflicting in time, conflicting in traffic, conflicting in a lot of things. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm most It may make it to. very difficult to get around Philadelphia <laughs> it, at that it point. It may. I don't know how much it overlaps, but I, but, but I, I love that, and I think we're going to get a bunch of other stuff as well, and I think it's – I think it's terrific. I can't wait for that. I'll be, geez, we're still four years away, but uh, I hope to be here doing it. You and I both. All right, let me just give you one more thing here before we uh, appropriately pivot over to uh, Go Birds Radio, Jimmy and Elliot. The Eagles had just about everyone up in arms the other day as they made what uh, they probably thought was a minor change, minor (laughs) tweak, but the reaction was far from that. They now have a new word marking. Uh, I bet bet you and I and Jody were not familiar with the phrase word mark. I was not until, uh, actually, it's a new term that was introduced to me the other day when they came out. just seems unnecessary to me. What do you guys think? Uh, I I, I posted on my Twitter feed right after they did it, the old word mark, which is really a logo, whatever. It's the design of the the, the the print that they use and the new one. And I asked people which they preferred. And not surprisingly, 76% of people took the old one, mostly because people hate change. And and I feel for everybody who has that Eagles word mark tattooed on themselves. <laughs> but I guess it, it will eventually become a classic. Well, yeah. You know uh, what? I'm- that's kind yeah. of the Eagles word marking of I'm using the word word marking of my era, right? That, that's going to yeah. be really nostalgic in about 20 years from now from right. McNabb days to the Super Bowl squad. That's mm-hmm. my era of Eagles football. 
Right, and nobody likes change. Again, I like the one that when I moved to town was the Buddy Ryan era with the bird holding the football in its talons and the Kelly Green. And So the way I feel about Kelly Green is the way you're going to feel about this one and the way the next 25 years from now everybody's kids are going to feel about the one they did now. I'll just say two things about the one they did now. It lo- Or one thing. It looks to me a lot like what Washington did with its new one, and I don't want to be anything like Washington, Jody. Um, come on. Can we get serious here for a minute? <laughs> it's a money grab. You know it's a money grab. I know it's a money grab. The Eagles know it's a money grab. That's why they change, not because they actually believe, oh, it's so much better, so much sharper. No, it's different. And different is good because you sell more memorabilia. You sell more T-shirts and uh, magnets for the refrigerator and cups and glasses and everything else. You got to have there's a percentage of the fan base out there that has to have the newest, the latest, the greatest. It is what it is. It's, it's a way to generate revenues and more power to them because, believe it or not, football is a business. So all the tattoo parlors are happy because now everybody's going to want the new work. And there'll be new people coming in. And, oh, by the way, Glenn, I'm glad to acknowledge that neither one of us is too old to learn. Word marking and uh, sports washing is the other one. Sports washing, yes. Well, we can t- New we can... to my vocabulary that I've had to learn and add over the last couple of months. There you go yeah, with the new golf thing. All right, so coming up, James and Ellie, is that what we have there? Correct. Little Go Birds Radio. Stay tuned for them. Jody, you and I tomorrow morning at 10. I look forward to it. Terrific job there, Kyle. Everybody enjoy the rest of your day right here on 94 WIP. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.